Hello, all you wonderful people out there. Welcome to another episode of The Collective Podcast. My name is Ash Thorpe, and this is going to be episode 87 with comic book artist and illustrator extraordinaire, John Paulione, who is most notably known for his work on the Earth X and the Winterman comic series. John joins us this week for what may be our longest episode yet. We dive deeply into what his influences are as an artist, the steps of his complex creative processes, and developing his own style along the way. We also discuss the love of film and how they influence us creatively. I want to say thanks to John for sharing his journey with us, and this is going to be episode 87. Enjoy. I've been a fan of your work for a long time. Um, I think a long longer than I realized too. And it's it's always been like I'm always looked at your site or just your work in general and like man, how does he figure out those sick darks and those ways of putting light? And uh, now it's I'm I'm really stoked. This is a really cool kind of giddy fan moment that I'm really excited I, to chat I, with you about. I'm very thankful um, and appreciative that you want to have me on. I mean, when you first Andrew contacted me, I thought, well, shit, you know, what the hell does he want to talk to me about? You know, I just, some <laughs> I had a corner drawing fucking comics, you know? Um, but, uh, and then I listened to like some of these episodes. I'm like, shit, these guys are like, really like, like, you know, doing some high profile stuff. And, you know, I'm, you know, working in ink and paper, you know, this is, uh, you know, that's the beauty of, of it though. <laughs> um, no. What was a great one? You had one that was really funny. That was not to like switch gears on you here, but it no, was no, go ahead. One of those, like three guys. Yeah, episode sixty nine. Yeah, <laughs> that one was fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, all my buddies. We have a lot of fun talking shit and being silly, and and uh, yeah, it's just a, re- a lot of really great personalities. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I, I love I love the comedy aspect of it too. It's in, it's important to laugh and make fun of the things that we do because because we can't take this stuff too seriously you know if you get too serious about it i think it deprives it of its youthfulness and it's and it somehow becomes a stark thing and there's already enough of that in the world you know i don't know but no i'm glad you like that that's that was that was a really fun one we might do something really cool for episode 100 or something i'm not sure but yeah the podcast itself has been a really interesting um evolving element in my life and other people's lives it's been really interesting uh, yeah, I'm just. So it's a cool, curious, it's a cool how, exercise. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, it's, no, just, it's uh, just saying it's a cool exercise. So, and, and, and so sorry, Skype will do that to us. Keep talking about the podcast. What gave you the idea to to do this, and why? What was the sort of the impetus to to do this this podcast? Oh, um, there's a lot of things, but um, I'm a I'm a big fan of Joe Rogan's podcast. Yes. And and I love I just love the way he interviews people. He's a cool dude too. Um we train under the same camp, like same jujitsu camp, so like um friends and people they know him and stuff, so he's a cool dude and I really admire uh how prolific he is and, and uh and his ability to have these really deep, um, dynamic conversations with people. Um and I just found that to be the new edge of communication on a different spectrum. You don't have to be Howard Stern level to get an audience. And you don't necessarily need a million people to listen to your stuff, you know. And um, so that was part of it. And then also um, the eagerness of just wanting to talk with people like yourself and 
just really get to understand where you come from and also to help expose your talent to other people and so it's just like a lot of things it's it's like a win-win-win like cubed yeah. basically yeah. It's, it's it's just like a really fun exercise and also helps with just public speaking and, and speaking in general and being yes. more articulate and erasing the word like as much as I can from my vocabulary. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think we could all stand to, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. I feel like, um, see, there it is. I feel <laughs> like I, uh, the generation of now it's so fast paced and, um, the articulation is, is, is depleting itself from our vocabulary and, and it's not like, see, there it is. I, and I'll use it a lot, even though I don't realize it. And it's, it's a bummer. I talk about this with my wife a lot too. It's, it's pretty funny, but just trying to make sure and give an, have an effort to, to, to make, uh, to, to erase that, you know, to erase these words that lack definition so that you're more articulate and defined with your, with what you're saying, you know, you can get away with a lot of things if you can articulate your thoughts and your and your your ideas and stuff, you know. So, but yeah, in a nutshell, it's pretty much just a lot of really awesome things. I've just inspired, and I felt like the uh, art community um, was lacking a little bit of a voice um, in regards to this kind of where do you come from? What's your influences? Like, how do you do what you've done? You know, stuff like that. This questions that I ask when I look at people's art, you know, like, what the hell does this guy do? I'm like, how did he do this? You know? Yeah. Or yeah. What, what was it like to, to, uh, to do this experience? You know, like what's your life like, you know? Yeah. Just curious. Yeah. So, which, yeah. yeah, but we, so you were, you were up late. Can you talk about whatever you're working on now or is, is it, under wraps and you can't discuss yeah, I it. actually just finished it last night um at least the drawing part of it um the pencils it just a, uh no it was a pencil and ink uh job for vertigo it's a, a it was a short story eight pager um for an anthology that they have called uh cmyk okay um so this is uh i guess each issue is um either CMY or K, and this is the uh, K issue. So I, I believe it's going to be printed in black and white. Cool. Um, so it's, uh, it's cool. It's a cool story. A uh, nice change of pace from like the superhero stuff. Cause it's a true story. It's about, uh, um, uh, I don't know how much I can say, but I think it's cool to just talk about it, but it's about, uh, yeah, I don't want to get you in trouble. No, no, I don't think, I don't think so. Um, it's about, uh, a World War One uh, hero, really, Henry Lincoln Johnson. Do you know who that was? No, look it he up was, though. He was, yeah, he was a, a African American um, uh, infantryman in in the First World War, and uh, he was really a hero and kind of a tragic like life after he got back to this country. Sort of just died alone in a VA hospital and stuff, you know, in hmm. late twenties and. And, uh, but he like single-handedly like killed, I don't know how many Germans one night with a, with a bolo knife and, and, uh, and, you know, he was, you know, he won like, uh, what is it, what is it called? Some sort of French medal, I think. Let's see, I got it here. Uh, the, the French, uh, I'm going to butcher this, Croix de Guerre, 
which I guess is sort of their the war cross, which is like their highest or one of their highest honors, I think, soldiers. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, it's a period story and it's a true story and it's and uh, kind of a sad story. But uh, cool, it's interesting. Uh, yeah. Who discussed that and figured out that topic? Like, why why focus on Henry? Or was it part of the the project itself, or the editors uh, and writers wanted to focus yeah, on it? Writer, yeah. Tom King uh, is the writer, and uh, they approached me. Uh, the editor Sarah uh, Miller approached me to uh, to see if I was interested in doing um, one of these way back in shit. What was it now? Might have been like August. Uh, I think it was for the uh, for the C issue, um, but I didn't have time at the time, and I sort of regretted it because I well, I sort of like was bummed out by it because I wanted to do it. Uh, it was like a boxing story, and then uh, and then I got another chance, uh, and my schedule just fit perfectly. I just had just finished the detective stuff, so. Uh, um, you know, he was. She was able to like pair me with Tom, and 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 you know, this is the story that he wanted to tell. So that's interesting. Yeah, the process of the, all this stuff is really interesting, and how the exchange of ideas and information, and the process of making comics itself is a is is a, something I'm really curious of as well. I guess more of the traditional sense, but that's. That's interesting. And um, are you? Did you find this project to be like you said? It's not the traditional like superhuman tights and capes yeah. and stuff, but it yeah. is a superhuman. You know, it is yeah. about an interesting, powerful human being. Yes. Which is yeah. interesting as well. It's, I guess it's got its own little nuances and little bits and stuff. I thought the Watchmen. I got um, got pretty heavy into that. That's a pretty deep. Some deep stuff that goes on in that. Not the Watchmen. Sorry, it's the. Uh, sorry, it's a early morning stuff. The Winterman. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm like. I'm like. Hey, if you're mixing it up with Watchmen, even if it's just because the name is similar, I'll take that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you a fan of, of of the Watchmen? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I guess I mean, how could you not be right? Yeah. If um, you're into comics, but I'm. I meant the Winterman. I apologize. That's fine. That's cool. Yeah, it, uh, it got really. I got really deep into it. So it's some really interesting, heavy stuff in there. Well, thanks. I think it would translate to film really well. Um, you know, it's it's. I'd like to think that it would, but I, I it probably wouldn't. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, uh, it's weird when you like like. You know, I'm sure you've had some of these same thoughts when you sort of try and translate a comic into film. They're such different mediums and, and, you know, I think people have tried to do different sort of approaches uh, in, in trying to do that. Uh, you know, sometimes even like trying to be almost too faithful to the comic, like, you know, Sin like City. Sin City, yeah, you know, yeah. and then it doesn't quite work, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then other times where it's just a complete departure, it doesn't quite work either, you know, so... Um, it's weird. Uh, two very different mediums that I think like people can get kind of uh, almost confused by because they're both visual storytelling mediums. Well, not completely visual, but they're both storytelling mediums. And I think sometimes um, people may think that they're more similar than they really are. Yeah. Um, but there's some things in comics 
I don't know. There's some things in the winter, man. I, well, I guess I can only. It's true, use, though. I mean, you've helped create it, so you would know best, you know. It um, would have to change significantly, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but, but I think I think um, I don't know what it is. When I perhaps just my film mind, uh, the way I I read it, I also translate it to film instantly as I read through it. And so I think about the shots that you've laid out and drawn, and then I also think about um, how I would film it. It's just like an exercise that I do mentally with things yeah. when I consume it, and. Um, but yeah, it would definitely, the thing is, like I think you're saying, and, and I think it's uh, it's about respecting each craft, really, you know, and acknowledging how different each craft is and finding the little subtle nuances between the two and finding a good balance between them, basically. But um, yeah, I think that um, comics, the conversation of translating comics to film uh, or vice versa, um, the translation, there's a lot of changes and, and, sh and shifts that happen. And um, I think because of how the visuals lend themselves to being, oh, this is these are people, this is dialogue, this is stories, this is I could put a camera here, it'll be the same thing. It, it's entirely different. As a comic, I feel like I read some really interesting stuff by Mignola, like how he expresses his pacing and how he how how it's that's all he really cares about now is just how to control the timing of mm. the reader and uh that focus of the rhythm of the reader is his intention and mm. some simplifying things and then also using the word boxes um to kind of give a flow to the page as well and in film you can kind of do that really great directors understand that kubrick does it a lot um I think Fincher really does some of that stuff too, um, but sorry, I digress. But no, think, no, 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 Go, keep going. I, I think that there's a possibility to to do any kind of translation of these things. I think it's just a matter of of who you are as a creative, how you see things and translate them. You know, you could be a, a Rodriguez and do a very, very um, accurate depiction, uh, like 300 or Sin City, which is very similar and, and it pushed a lot of bounds and it opened up a lot of things or you could really um or even like the watchman for example or you can um take the core of these things and really um build upon them and think about what that character is what they're trying to do and use it as a, a, a launching place i i personally like the later but it doesn't really matter i think it doesn't i think every everybody has their own take and when 300 came out, as a fan of it, I enjoyed seeing some of that stuff because it was fun, it was crazy, and it was entertaining, you know? Yeah. And, and it had its own qualities to it. Even The Watchmen, a lot of people hate that film. I, I actually enjoyed it, for the most part, for what it was. I thought it was a, quite an accomplishment, um, yeah. for all things said and done, but, um, yeah. I, I enjoyed know. it. I enjoyed Watchmen. Um, I thought it was a little bit... Um, uh, there were some parts that were maybe he dwelled on too much. Uh, it sort of lacked uh, prioritizing in a weird way. Um, it's a big yeah. story to prioritize, you know? So many moving pieces and characters, I can't imagine. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> you know, it's like, where do you put the focus on? And when you have like six main characters and, and you have not just six main characters, but you have, have the world itself and 
the world as we know it and then all this stuff it's it's almost like uh, i equate it to time i think that these things um they're so big that I think what's really succeeding in, in media these days is television because the amount of time that we're able to have with these characters really resonates. Like Breaking Bad, for example. Imagine somebody trying to take the whole core and idea of Breaking Bad, all those seasons, and smashing it into a two-and-a-half-hour experience, you know? You can't. You can't. You yeah. really the, – the experience is completely different. And um, I think sometimes, like, if you think about who Walter White is, who's basically a teacher – who becomes Tony Montana, basically. Um, you take that, that's a real s simple premise, really, but then you take The Watchmen, which is each one of those characters has their own uh, elemental story. And so when I think about The Watchmen, if it was ever possible to make something like that, I would I would see it more of an episode thing. Yeah. A very big episode thing. But the problem with that is the budget isn't there just yet. And making the Watchmen is incredibly expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. But that's just how I see the way that we consume things, you know. Are you a fan of Breaking Bad? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I really enjoyed Breaking Bad. Um, uh, wasn't my favorite, you know. I think, you know, like some people are like, Oh, that's the best show ever. I, don't know. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really fucking great. But I was—I don't think it was like one of the, like the best shows ever. You know, what's the, what's the best show for you? <laughs> the Wire. Oh yeah, well, The Wire is uh, that is an amazing show. I could see you why you would like that so much too. It's a very intense show. Yeah, I have a hard time finishing that show. I remember being like, "Did I just eat a?" A dead carcass i feel sick <laughs> like it gives you that feeling in your gut you just feel that's how good it is but it's painful does that it is, make sense yeah. it's heavy it's almost, duty shit it's almost not entertainment in a weird way yes it's 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 almost so real that it isn't entertaining in yeah. a weirdest way because it's fictional obviously but it's it really shows the dark side of the human spirit and and, if, and of the american city you know that i, I think yeah. Like Simon talking about that. That's really what the wire is about. That it's sort of the sort of the decay of an American city. You know, in this case, Baltimore. But and it really does kind of like, sh I guess, attempt to give you like this sort of, you know, somewhat complete picture of these different um, systems in the city and how they sort of interlock and work together and, and how sort of complex and multifaceted all these sort of moving parts are in the city and uh it's just really that that show just really yeah it is a masterpiece show it's yeah. a fucking heavy show yeah i remember binge watching it um a couple years three maybe six or seven years ago actually and yeah it really affected my mood i was in like a relationship at the time and i was just i was in a bad mental place because i think that show and six feet under did the same thing to me too Oh, I never saw that. I never saw that was good. I think you'd like that. Yeah, it has a uh, has some quirks to it. It's an interesting show. It has some really masterful stuff that happens to it, and and I really trip out, and I and, and that kind of stuff really. Um, when I see a film and it doesn't pull off the quality of what these shows do, I always go like, "What the hell, man!" Like, if a show can consistently pull this off for years, so it just for me, it usually equates to people where there's got to be a team that's working on that that has some crazy ideas or integrity or just uh, a vision. And um, The Wire, I felt, yeah, that's true. I haven't watched The Wire in a long time. I really, I should probably revisit it. 
I consider the Breaking Bad to be one of the best, and and solely for the fact that how 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 well they develop a character. Yeah, and, and and the restraint from going down typical silly routes, and it does yeah. sometimes. It's not it's not a perfect show, but at the same time, it has some really interesting things. And I just I love uh, character journeys and and the stories and change. I just recently watched uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Have you seen that yet? I have not. I have not seen. Ah, that check that out. That's a really uh, beautiful film. Amazing. Active. I got a list here going. I knew that when we had this conversation, I was going to make a list. <laughs> put on. So let me just add that here. Dallas. <laughs> yeah. I love sharing cool stuff that I'm into with everybody, whatever it is, uh, because it's like, this is the stuff I, I, this is the things, these are the things that inspire me, you know, like they get me excited about whatever it is that I'm building or doing or working on. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, get super pumped on that stuff but I, I i don't know like media and film i don't make a ton of time for it i wish i yeah. had more time in the day do you do you end up watching a bit of te- television you mentioned listening not to podcasts not a, lot. not a lot yeah not a lot i, I go through some different periods uh about maybe a year and a half ago i was trying to catch up on like binge watching a bunch of shows that i had missed um and which kind of started when when my, my, might have been over a year and a half ago now after gandolfini died I I like I was kind of shocked by that, and I yeah. went back. And I saw the whole Sopranos. Sopranos, again. yeah. And that it's a cliche, but I mean that that is a fucking great show. Um, yeah. And, and I think that that. Um, what is it about the show that you feel compels you to be a fan of it? Everybody has a different approach to that one. Yeah. Let, let me see if I can put my head back in there. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, because it's it's a pretty dense it is uh, ride, and it's it's kind of it kind of meanders, or it seems to meander at times. Um, I mean, I guess I guess it's you know it really is long form, you know, that this sort of episodic TV show. It's sort of you, you know, live with them. You live with them, right? Exactly, and you sort of get to see like very different facets of you know their personalities and like. The different levels of of uh, uh, the power play and the interactions, and it just they really like. I think that Tony Soprano character they really developed, you know, pretty pretty completely. I mean that that and that last episode, you know that Jesus Christ, uh, you know the uh, the cut to black thing, and I remember the that. open window kind of thing because I, I never I actually um, I've t- been told what the ending is. I haven't seen it. Uh, I only watched a couple seasons of it. Uh-huh. I don't know why I wasn't able to get to it. That's one show I'm going to end up watching eventually um, when I get some yeah. time. Yeah, it's worth, I think, sitting down and just watching the whole thing. Because it does kind of play like, like a novel in a weird way. You know? Yeah, that's what I've heard. And so I kind of was waiting for that to so I could have some time to sit with it. And then I also didn't... I wanted to let the hype fall away a bit so I can experience it all, kind of all on my own away from um, projected thoughts and stuff which is I don't know maybe it's my fault for asking but I, I just I find that stuff to be um, I, I've, I think from what I've heard and the stuff I've seen I think it's just like you said it, it's just a densely packed um, lived with character that I think that deep down a lot of us can relate to um, and I think yeah. that's what a lot of these shows are it's like um, 
really good entertainment is about projection and projecting yourself into these characters and, and, and asking yourself, would I do this? And it's not one thing I can't stand is when people, I feel when they write, they write for movie logic or film logic or, or show logic rather than human logic. And um, a lot of these shows successfully pull off the human logic. I think they remind themselves that it's not that they're making a show, they're, they're telling a story. And that's mm. the successful part of these things. I think when you think about what is shallow and what isn't, um, it's usually um, people are just trying to tell a story about the human spirit and, and people are resonating with that because we are, we, we're weird. <laughs> Humans are weird. We're, we're similar, you know, I think. And then Very we see much. like, like, you know, ourselves in, in a character like, you know, and I guess this is uncomfortable, like for some people that, Oh, you know, this, this guy is basically a criminal. Um, and, a, you know, he's a mob boss. And, but then we see, we relate to the character, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so it's not so black and white, you know, there are aspects of his uh, character that are obviously evil. And then there are other aspects that you can kind of see that there's some kind of a code there, you know, or there's some, there's something in there. It's not completely evil. You know, it's not a cartoon, you know, yeah. it's not, you know, it's a very fleshed out character. Um, uh, it's being yeah, a human. Uh, I, th I, th yeah. I think that, uh, they I guess pulled... it's good writing, you know, <laughs> it's good writing, but it's also real though. Like, uh, how often I've been really thinking about this concept of, of when I was younger, a lot of things, and I'm, I want to say I'm younger, but it, well, a lot of things in my life, my opinions judged and, and based off of things in life, very black and white, either you lived on this side or you lived on that side. And that's pretty much how I felt about a lot of things. And the older I get, I find that I'm much more in the gray area which dilutes my intention a lot, but at the same time, I'm realizing that life doesn't always fit into categories, and everybody has their own story, and it's important to acknowledge and and, and really, really, uh, if you're going to have a, an opinion about something, have at least make it educated, and then you'll realize how complex complex it is. Like I can't imagine what it must feel like to be a the president of 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 the, of the United States. Like that, how complex that must feel, you know, like. I would never, ever want to be something like that, you know? And so I just find that to be really interesting. Um, that reminds me of uh, <laughs> what you just said there, that to go off on another, like, tangent, or to, I guess, regress back to Joe Rogan. Hmm. It reminds me of, like, you know, sometimes he says, like, <laughs> you know, I wonder just what happens when you become president, you know? Is it really, like, because you see yeah. the, the in Obama, you know, from the guy who campaigned and the guy who's governed, and it's like, did they just put you in a room then and say, okay, you know, here's the real shit, you know? And then yeah. <laughs> so fucking scary that, you know, you just have to start droning people, you know? Yeah, and I can imagine... Um the amount of the the massive savage beast of america it's it's once you lift up you know once you expose um it's like lifting the rug and finding all these insects and shit in, in a house that you thought was clean and you cleaned it and you felt really secure about the fact that you've had a really clean secure house and it just goes to show you that how thin society really is you know how how um, tightly wound and thin it is. It, it is incredibly tightly wound. I, when I'm driving and I'm stuck in traffic or anything and I see people and I, I'm just like, man, it, it's we're still so thinly attached to this thing called society. And and uh, it's, it's, I mean, of course, I think deep down, I think everybody's intention is to love and to be loved and to live their life. And 
um, for mo for the most part, we do a pretty good job of it, you know, but we are still animals. We're still creatures. You know, we still, um, we live on earth. We're grounded by gravity. You know, we're still, I think sometimes we might get ahead of ourselves in our thoughts of things, but I think that's really deep down to the core of storytelling. That's really where great storytelling, uh, resonates and it lasts. I was going to use heat as an example. It's a fantastic film. It's a masterpiece film. Yeah. And I think the fact that, you know, if you watch that film, you can't distinguish really who's good and who's bad. And that's the beauty of that film for me. It's not sugarcoating it and being like, this guy's good and this guy's bad. And, you know, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I thought Alan Moore brought a lot of those aspects to comics. And I felt that that was really wonderful because I didn't think it was really, I'm sure it was, of course it was approached and it was used, but he popularized it, I think with Swamp Thing and all those kind of things. And that leads me to comics, which is, you know, I feel a lot of the times with comics, um, you can, you know, this is just my opinion, but especially in the beginning, it was very much propaganda um, of painting the world black and white and figuring out, you know, building out these, these concepts of, you know, what's good and bad and virtuous and not and and i find that to be interesting and i and i and i and i agree with some of that stuff i think it's fun i remember watching a documentary on todd mcfarland and he was saying how he built out spawn and he said you know if you're bad you go over here and if you're good you go over here and he was like kind of breaking it down and i thought that was really really interesting um i mean like that's what makes his character who it is and and all that stuff it's it's basically him and his 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 approach to life and and the planet basically, but I don't know. I'm running on a tangent here, but I just I find this stuff fascinating because I love I love comics. I grew up with them. Um, I still love them. Um, and I just the getting deeper into them. I used to just only look at the images, and now getting deeper into the stories and who's making these stories and who did, and I just find it to be fascinating. It's really interesting. So stuff. let me ask you, like, are there any comics now, or like, I guess you know, if there's like, if you have a favorite comic, or like, if there are comics that particularly have like impacted you, um, I guess both in story and art, or like, do you have a favorite comic, or is there something you're reading currently, or? Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's see. What am I really into? Um, one of my favorites is uh, Otomo's Domu. Have you read Domu? No, I'm not. No. Yeah, you know Katsushiro Otomo, the, the guy who created uh, Akira, yeah. right? Yeah. He did, he did a one a long time ago called Domu. It's it's fantastic. It's very special. It's really great. I think you would really like it. Right. And then uh, I'm really into Batman Year One right now. Obviously, yes, it's sure. a masterpiece. Yes. Uh, yes. David's. Uh, He's a bit of a badass because I just recently <laughs> saw some of his other stuff and I'm like, wow, like I would never associate this artist with that work. He's What'd changed. His art changed. His art style, either that or he, that's how he always drew. And, and when he was hired to do year one, he was really into like um, the older style of, of art, but he brought his own taste to it. It was really. What was it that you saw that you, that made you like react like that? You know what's weird is when I first saw Year One years ago, um, I was like, "This is cool," you know, like I like it, but it didn't um, strike me to the core of who I am now. And I think when I look at it now, there's this simplicity 
Mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain it. It's just perfectly put together. And I think I don't know how to articulate it yet because I haven't figured out what it is to make a comic yet because I'm still trying to figure out it myself. And I think once I start working into that world and really understanding those dynamics, then I'll understand it. But there's just something there that appeals to me and I really enjoy it. Um, and I think, like I said, it's it's the utter simplicity of things, um, the way that it's paced out. Um, and there's just, I mean, Batman is my favorite character in, in, in comics, really, to be completely honest, because they've just been around for so long and a story arc is pretty much sound. You can't mess with it, really. So, But, um, yeah, I think we mentioned talking about um, David and and Frank Miller as well. And I, th- I think that was like the, the perfect marriage between those two artists, really, creatives. You, uh, are you familiar with the Daredevil Born Again stuff? Yeah, which is also fantastic. Um, Do you have that artist edition that came out recently? No, I want it so badly. Man, that thing is... The, it's a, well, I mean, that if you're familiar with the work, you know it's, it's incredible stuff. I kind of it's like expensive uh, now. It's like out of print. It's like two hundred oh, something oh, bucks really? now. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to get it. I I told my wife. She asked me what I wanted for Christmas. I sent her a link to that as well as a couple other things. <laughs> I'm like I could never buy this on my own, but for Christmas I'm okay with that. So <laughs> yeah, I really want that. I kind of I, I see like like that stuff as as Mazzucchelli. Um, if you look at that job, like. I mean, this is this is slightly embarrassing for me because um, I'm the whole idea of this. Obviously, this conversation is that you know we we have an exchange, right? Sure. Um, and and so uh, there's something I think uh, for myself, kind of a little embarrassing about like like um, going off on on my opinions about stuff. Sure. Like pontificating on stuff, you know, it's it's not like like natural to me. Um, so so like, but that's sort of the objective here to sort of ex- exchange our our views. Well, you can just tell stories. It doesn't have to be your, you know, you don't feel obligated. So. Oh, I know, I I know, but sometimes like like I think we. Um, I, okay, I, I can only go by like the stuff that I sort of. Um, find interesting when I'm listening to these podcasts. Sure. And it's usually, well, it's both. You're right. It, sometimes stories can tell you much more than a direct opinion. But, you know, um, I always kind of enjoy when, when uh, uh, people at least attempt to, to try to uh, um, categorize is a bad w- way to put it because there's a connotation to that word. But to try and sort of um, um, mm. have some kind of a value judgment on stuff, um, sure. which, which is, which is kind of taboo, you know, making a value judgment, but I think it's important to try and do, um, and, and, you know, at least, you know, at least toss it around. Um, well, it's like a, it's quality. It's a, I guess it's like, um, Something to gauge your your values off of, you know. Yeah, it's okay to have that, you know. Why not? Um, even right. if even if it's immature or inaccurate to the time, right. and you look yeah. back and go, ah, uh, 
it, we're constantly contradicting ourselves, you know, at least as artists, as myself, if you have an opinion at all as a person, you're going to contradict yourself because you're going to outgrow that opinion. That's just a, yes. it's a common yeah. fact, you know? So I guess, I mean, the problem with this is, is somebody could listen to this 10 years away and judge our opinions as if it is 10 years, like we're accurately having that same opinion 10 years away, which is going to oh. be completely opposite <laughs> by the time no, no, 10 years yeah, rolls around. That's built in, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, we can just put a, um, what's that called when you, yeah. What is it called when you, 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 uh, give away the power of being, con- or, God, my, disclaimer? yeah, disclaimer, man, my yeah. brain is mush, but yeah, but no, sorry, I didn't mean to cut into you, but you're about to have an opinion. You're so afraid to, to say it. <laughs> all this, all this sort of like build up, uh, man. I'm like preamble. Yeah. No, <laughs> he's like, I fucking hate that comic book. Like, oh no. <laughs> it's as simple. It's as simple as this for me. Like when it comes to like, like born again and year one, I see like born again and, and I see Mezzichelli, um, experimenting. And if you look yeah. at the beginning of that job, it's very conservative the way he begins. Totally is it's very like 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 sort of um, um, traditional. Um, and as that job progresses, you know that series. I don't forgot how many issues it was. You see him really like like breaking down the form in a way, and then like moving it around and pushing it around, and he gets very experimental. And and it makes for a very uneven job if you look at the whole thing. You know. In, in one context, I guess, uh, if they, you know, collect the whole thing, uh, it makes for sort of a stylistically a very uneven job, which I love, you Me know, because I like to see, I like to see an artist sort of, um, figuring stuff out and trying things and even if it doesn't work, you know, and then I feel like, like year one is, is his sort of, you know, I think he's, reconciled a lot of these things and it's his masterwork in a way um because everything kind of comes together and like you said he simplifies things uh there's more of that toth influence where things you know he's gotten rid of a lot of unnecessary things in his drawing and yeah, he's uh, heavily influenced by toth huh in that alex, job especially yeah yeah, yeah. i just got but, alex's book too sorry i didn't mean to cut in i got this no, that's like, fine that's fine this big book? ass book it's huge i'll i'll send you a link to it the uh, the IDW uh, three volume thing. It's um, the life and the art life and of art. Alex Toth. Yes. Is, yes. is that the IDW one? There's there's three of them. Fuck, it's uh, huge, man. I haven't that? gone through it yet. Which one is it? Uh, genius. It's got a, yeah, genius. I think. Animated, illustrated, or illustrated. Oh, that's the second one. Yeah. That's there's three of these. Up. There's three of those. Yeah. Fuck, <laughs> I'm never gonna get through them. The, that's probably the best one, the second one. Cool. Um, the the first one is obviously his earlier stuff, the Genius Isolated, and the third one is Genius Animated, which is mostly his animation work, his storyboards, his character, model sheets, and uh, it's all like pretty incredible stuff. Damn you. him. I hate yeah. bell curve setters, man. He's one of those guys. Yeah, he is, isn't he? He's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what's cool is you can see his influence on David's work. And that's, I think, David's translation of his influences, um, one of them being Alex's stuff, is is really, it's the stuff that I really love. You know, that's the, that's the art that's in year one. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump all over you. You're no, 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 no. going to some really cool stuff. You were just talking about the translation of the styles and 
how it started off. I think maybe my approach to what had happened possibly is, you know, take the safe bet, build it out, build things, um, appeal to everybody. Then once you can kind of have that audience and start changing it, whether, you know, he didn't want to spend as much time on it or maybe he did or just planning it, or maybe Frank Miller is like, let's fuck it up and let's toss it around some ideas and let's change things up, you know? And, um, you mean the born again stuff? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm talking about or, born again. Or the, or the year one stuff. Um, no, I'm talking about born again for some reason. I'm mixing the two up. Let's see. I think I have yeah, it on my shelf here somewhere. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder, like, I mean, this is all obviously us speculating because who knows what sure. the, the working relationship was like. And, uh, and, um, but I am, but I am a fan of seeing an artist, um, uh, go through something on, through a job. And, and I think the first time I sort of noticed that going back to like Dark Knight Returns, um, was seeing like the change that happens just in the art style and his depiction of Batman, like, just in those four issues, you know? Um, when I first saw that, when that came out, I think it was, was it 87, 86, 85, something like that. Um, at first I was kind of turned off by that. Mm. Um, I was a kid. Um, and then like I warmed up to it, uh, more and more through the years. And in retrospect, <laughs> I think I heard an interview with, with Klaus Janssen where he talks about, this is funny, how it's sort of the things that you project onto something uh, may or may not be the, the reason why they are the way they are. And I think there was a change in, in, I think Frank Miller might have inked the third issue or there was a change in the working relationship and that may account for some of the change in style. So it may not have so much to do with him uh, uh, you know, pushing his own art style so much as just what happens when a different hand does the inking, yeah, um, yeah. just naturally. Um, but there's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of seeing like, like, um, sort of that's, it's sort of like, like, uh, the other subtext in a story, you know, if there's a, an artist, um, working on something and you see him kind of like Mazzucchelli in year one experimenting, trying different things. Um, it almost, for me, creates almost like a second sort of abstract narrative to the story. There's the story that's being told and the plot and what's happening and all that that brings. But then the way that it's also executed, there's almost like another story happening there, which is the artist sort of, um, pushing himself or dealing with whatever he's dealing with, which, which is a completely, could be a completely unrelated story to, um, the actual story that's on the surface, you know? Yeah. And sometimes they may, um, happily intersect and, and maybe great things are possible <laughs> when they meet, you know? Yeah. I, I, uh, I think that's a really great, I think that's something that only an artist would look at, especially in your situation. We're all tr looking for relation, you know, like related relatability. And I think somebody that creates amazing comics and art as yourself, I think that you're looking at a bigger and broader idea of things because you've been there and done that. So I imagine your viewpoint on when you when you digest a comic is completely different from 
when a 10 year old teenager does and, and, or even, uh, somebody that loves comics, but doesn't know how to illustrate them or doesn't worry about the art necessarily is, is solely into two different things and different reasons. And, and I think the artist's journey and looking at that, that is also what fascinates me. I think I've read and, and I think, uh, I read an interview, somebody referring to, um, when, um, Frank was dealing with a lot of stress and pressure. I think he got like mugged and robbed a lot in New York. I can't remember <laughs> what part of what part of his career he was doing something, but you could feel it in the work. He felt violated and and he felt angry and he and he wanted justice and you could feel it in the work. The energy mm. was really strong in the power of wanting this idea of vengeance or you know, he's not able to get it necessarily in real life, but wanting it and through the art. And so the, yeah. uh, that energy is expressed. And he's a very, I, I bring up Frank up quite a bit. I find uh, there's there's a lot of interesting things that happen with him in the public eye. And I think a lot of people are, are uh, confused, at least from my opinion, from what I know of him. And I don't know a lot. And I think a lot of people um, like to like to jump and, 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 and yell and get upset with people for being themselves. And I think when I look at, um, I consider him to be a creative uh, genius in a sense. Uh, and I don't use that word all the time. But I think I look at his his body of work, the things that he's mani- been able to manage to create and, and manifest and and the inspiration that he's given to me, I, I find it to be really interesting. And um, I, I have particular opinions on it. A lot of people disagree with me, but fuck it, you know. <laughs> on his yeah. actual on 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 his work, do you have a favorite Frank Miller a piece of work? Um, there's little bits of of all his work that I really enjoy. Like there's the beginning of Sin City, the art and the way that he put it together. I felt it was very masterful. Um, yeah. That first Sin City was was pretty masterful. Yeah. It just it just changed everything. I felt. I think it took everything that he knew, and everything that everybody thought they knew, and and just threw it on its head. I think this was the time. Wasn't when Sin City came out. Wasn't that when Image was kind of blowing up? It was. It was uh, a little after that. It was. I think. I think it was mid nineties. I want to say ninety four ish. So that was the Todd McFarlane era, right? It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was like it was just at when that stuff was was I think, um, you know, in its heyday. I think I could be wrong about that. That's uh, when everybody was using every color in the rainbow to color their comics. It was digital stuff. Yeah, there was and every for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> and every no, of course, and, and there was every detail uh, in the world in in pieces. And I just he was like, "Fuck it, I'm going black and white. I'm doing noir. I'm gonna just." I'm gonna, Distilled it down, didn't he? Yes, he distilled it down to the core thing, and I think it's so pure. Yeah, it's so pure, and and it's so honest, and it has. It's just, it's for my take on it. I really admire the fact that he's just. You can really tell an artist is just doing their thing, and I I felt like Sin City is a piece of his work that I resonate with. But there's also like um, was that Ronin? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There, there's a couple things in there I just find fascinating. I love how he's playing with his inspiration from Japan. You know, I thought that was really cool. And, and then movies. obviously all the Batman stuff is just fantastic. You know, and his writing yeah. is really great. And so, yeah. but how about yourself? Do you have, do you have a, a couple guys that you admire as artists or as people or just overall careers? Or somebody 
some people that come to mind for you as, as far as influence? You know that, I'm sure you know that list is always like, like changing and stuff and, or I guess growing is probably better to say, uh, yeah. because people don't go off the list. <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, you know, influences are a weird thing. Like I find influences like, like whenever, like anyone used to ask me that question, I would just like rattle off like, you know, three or four names and stuff. But I, I find more and more like influences, um, you know, obviously there's the influences that, that I'm not aware of, which I'm sure are vast, you sure. know, which, and, and then there are the ones that I can sort of, uh, definitely like speak to that I'm aware of that I, I know that I've had you know, an influence that have had an influence on me. Like, I mean, starting as I think when we're children and especially with comics, which I think a lot of kids, I don't know about these days, but used to look at a lot, uh, when I was a kid, um, I mean, Walter Simonson's work had a huge impact on me, mm. huge impact on me. Those, those guys from the eighties who, um, uh, were sort of bringing in, uh, illustration techniques into comics, um, who are sort of allowing themselves to, to, to solve problems in a more sort of illustrative way, like Sienkiewicz and I think Simonson also, you know, yeah. um, and Frank Miller, and, and, but he's more cartoony, um, sure. but still very graphic solutions to problems. I think Kirby had a lot of that as well, it just, just, but it was like a kind of a weird hybrid. <coughs> Yeah. Yeah, I I have to say like obviously Kirby's stuff is 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 you have to you have to reckon with it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I I'm not the he's undeniably like a huge influence. I'm not the like biggest like fan of Kirby's stuff, not that I dislike the stuff. Sure. And I'm sure it's it's influenced me like whether I like it or not. Um He's got a definite style. Either you like it or you don't. Really, that's kind of the yeah, but but that his 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 sort of uh, um, treatment of of what's happening in the frame um, uh, almost abstractly, you know, and his sort of uh, you know the symbols for me with when I look at Kirby, the symbols, the iconography is right on the surface. Yeah, uh, and sometimes that turns me off a little bit because it's it's so iconic that that I can't connect, I can't relate to it. Sure. Um, it's weird. It, it, that's strictly a drawing thing, though. Um, there's other aspects to comics, like the story and you know the storytelling. If you can sort of, if I can kind of get over like some of the things that drawing, you know, some of the the, the lack of connection that I can have to his drawing, the draw, then the, then the stories are more available to me. But I have a difficult time, like sometimes, warming up to his drawing. Weird. Um, but then Simonson stuff, which is heavily influenced by Kirby, mm. um, it, it just for me, just you know, I completely felt like this was like I understand this, you know, his 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 use of shape, um, his his arrangement of 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 white on a page. Uh, not a lot of people were using white that effectively. Um, negative space. Yeah, negative and, space. Yeah. Uh, um, and his his uh just his sense of like picture making in a very graphic um way uh, that was like i said i think more influenced by those mid-century illustrators you know like you know fuchs and and bob peak and uh, briggs and those guys 
and it's in Kevich too. So those like early influences, like for me, like in comics, were were like I think those guys, probably the big three for me um, as a kid were were Simonson, Sankovich, Sankovich, sorry, and and Frank Miller. Um, just because the Dark Knight Returns really had a, a big impact on me. Just yeah. And also another thing about Frank Miller that 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 I think was he was influential for a, a lot of people was that he also his career path. Um, he he I think sort of was the first guy that I can remember. You know that that sort of um, was kind of expanding the possibilities of comics. You know into other mediums and stuff. Yeah. And he kind of almost like like uh, ushered other you know, like mainstream man on the street or mainstream sort of movie going people, you know, made them aware of comics again, uh, in the eighties. Um, and I think that's, that can't be, uh, that can't be, uh, um, you know, uh, overstated, you know, I really like, he really, I think almost made comics hip in a weird way. Oh yeah, absolutely. How could you deny that? You know, it's, uh, I think that there's there every once in a while there's a prolific person that comes through and just says, you know, I don't really care about what's going on here. I appreciate it, but I'm going to do my own thing. And um, you're, they're loved and hated at the same time, and and that's just what happens. And um, you know, a lot of people laugh and may, maybe kid about it, but even with like Todd McFarlane and what he's been able to do, you know, um, and I can't have anything other than respect for the guys figuring out, you know, even though he's turned out to be more into the business side of things possibly, but at the same time, still building out, taking your ideas and building it out to being something that, um, you just, the things that you love become you and you can really tell it in those guys with their work and what they do is that they're not doing it necessarily, uh, um, for any other reason other than they just they're possessed to do it you know yeah yeah that's and true as a fan you feel it you know yeah you're right you're right i mean yeah i, I can't deny that i mean i'm not I, I well i shouldn't say i'm not a i don't just don't follow too much of what what uh mcfarlane is up to these days um i think he's uh, chilling out maybe more i think yeah, he's is he like I guess he's still doing the toy thing, right? Um, yeah, I, I think so. I, I think um, I'm gonna try and get him on the podcast. That'd be a lot of fun. I think he he's probably, of course, keeping a control on the toys and stuff. But he's a smart guy. I'm sure he's figuring out other things. And yeah, but you know maybe he's he's taking a t- chance to to chill and enjoy time with his family and stuff. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good for good for him. I mean, yeah. good for anybody that works their butt off and is an entrepreneur and 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 uh, brings their impact to the world. You know, I remember when I grew up, it was the dawn of Spawn, and that was the thing I was like obsessed with. It was uh, Image Comics was the thing that I really got into, and yeah, and uh, not until later did I get back into different things. But yeah, Frank Miller's always been there. But those top three influences that you have are yeah, those guys are the thing I really appreciate about the the ones that you picked there, I feel is there's a, there's a resonance with um, these, there's, they're, they're pro- prolific and, and active and, and powerful in their own right. And they're willing to just do their own thing and become their, their own selves. And, and uh, you, their style is so unique, you know? Yes. And cabbage also, I think, I mean, what a giant, I think yeah, I mean, for me, yeah. for me, like, like, 
looking at that guy's work, and no one was doing anything even close to what he was doing in the 80s. Yeah. Looking at that guy's work, for me, was like, it just blasted open, like, possibilities. You know, it was like, shit, comics can look like this. This guy, like, like I almost felt like like this guy has given me permission to do whatever the fuck I want to do. Yeah, pretty much. You know? um, yeah. And and I can articulate that now, but at the time I couldn't have said that. But that I remember feeling that I still connect with that feeling. Like, you know, uh, that guy's really uh, uh, kind of a, a real Promethean talent. I think just really like his his energy. Like, uh, I like to call him the John Coltrane of comics. You know? <laughs> That's a good analogy. That's There's a good connection. Coltrane yeah. of comics at Sinkevich, man. That guy really like. You know, you just—you could sometimes feel looking at his work, you know, like that he's, you know, on a ride, you know, and he's taking you with him if you want to follow him. <laughs> um, uh, and I again, think it's just him, though, huh? It's just like it's so—it's so special that it's just—it's uh, just him. I think it's—that's it, what's. Uh, I think the, he, perhaps I don't know him. I don't understand. I don't know the details, but I imagine that's just. It's like a like a person has a voice to sing and then they sing, you know, and then they that's what they do. And I think with him, it's yeah, I acknowledge these comics, but this is how I draw, you know. And I and I love it. I admire it when people just go, "Fuck it, this is how I do it." I've been recently studying Tim Burton, and I I find him to be one of these fascinating people. Um, I don't know if you've ever had a chance or if you've ever seen it. Have you ever seen his sketches for um, his idea for The Nightmare Before Christmas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing that fascinates me, and I've heard as as uh, I've heard it's possible, like there's a tale that he actually drew with his opposite hand for those things. So really, which makes sense because when you look at the art, it's very childish and yeah, simple yeah. in shape and shape and form, but it has the, the idea and style. But what I'm getting at here is I find it to be fascinating because as a person that dwells on craft and draftsmanship and all that stuff, you know, I, I, lo I love and admire guys like Steve or um, Sid Mead and, and um, Ralph McQuarrie and all that stuff. I, I just, I grew up with that stuff too. And But when I look at Tim Burton and I go, well, I can draw like that. That's not really that difficult. But the same thing, it's about that person and the desire that he had to create that world and share it with other people and to build out that's a masterpiece animation nightmare before christmas is a fucking awesome i gotta it's, watch that again i haven't seen that in years it's so special it to just it to think of that it even exists is is pretty amazing and um almost all his films really you know beetlejuice like i can't imagine a film like that existing in this space now with the media yeah. the way it is now <laughs> nobody would allow that and uh, that's the thing I love about my childhood is they actually had really cool, good stuff, you know. And maybe that's just me being nostalgia, nostalgic and stuff. But what I'm getting at is is it, everybody has their own path. And I think with, with Tim Burton's work and the influence that he has on me is is um, just be yourself and be passionate. And no matter what it is, it's going to become whatever it is going to become. And, and I also remember like a big quote that I always refer to um, – from Frank Frazetta is uh, like why be a second-rate Frazetta when you could be a first-rate you, and I think that that's a really big tip for myself and most artists out there is, you know, I think you're touching on it like you're cautious of your influences because, especially uh, an artist as 
as, as well-crafted as yourself is, I'm sure that you could probably just mimic people if you wanted to. And a lot of artists do that. But I think that it's important to have your own taste and desires and sensibilities of things. And it's a very interesting, you know, thing. It's a really interesting road to go down, but as far as influences, but yeah. Yeah. Just, I, I, I'm always constantly studying this stuff and like constantly going within myself and trying to figure out where do these things go and what does this mean to me? But yeah, I'm just fascinated with Tim Burton too. It's just like, dude, yeah. You made it happen huge in the biggest way. Yeah. The the uh the fun too in that stuff that you're talking about. Oh yeah. The fun. That's something that's kind of missing in a lot of comics nowadays. It's fun. You know? Yeah. yeah. Would you is are you somebody that feels like you want to bring that back or is that something that you don't want to do or Well, we're in a serious era, that's for sure. We're in the we're in the Chris Nolan era where reality's can be kind of a bore after a while. Um, well, look, let's get back to influences for a second. Sure. Right? Sorry, so, jumping around. So, so that's 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 fine. <laughs> uh, okay, so Sinkevich. Okay, so sure. His stuff. Um, I see such a range in like like what he has done and what he does, and it can be completely cartoony or or like like very accomplished sort of almost you know um you know beautifully naturalistic drawing you know so he really has that range and somehow he's found the way to sort of incorporate like all those make it okay for him you will buy it as as a reader somehow you know a guy with that much range yeah you know some of those jobs like electro assassin or or that that um alan moore job about yeah what was it called the one more about cia covert operations the American um, people like getting drunk at a bar. It's not straight toasters, no. It's oh, no, uh, no, no. let's it's, see. Let me look up his his roster. Brought to light. Brought to light. Brought to light. I've never read that one. That's it's a uh, the American Eagle uh, getting drunk at a bar and like divulging a bunch of sort of secrets about CIA covert ops. <laughs> um, and it's all this historical stuff. And, huh. But it's 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 written by Alan Moore, I believe, and illustrated by Sienkiewicz and it's it's all over the place as far as style but you buy it you completely buy it so all this stuff like like you know here's this permission now from Sienkiewicz and then you know wow I mean you know then all of a sudden here comes Alex Toth you know who I had never seen as a kid obviously the, the Super Friends stuff you know you're getting that like you know fifth generation or just you know somehow it's 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 still coming through but i've never seen his comics work and 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 the game changes for me when i see alex toth that's mm. like okay wait a minute this is uh this is serious business now like not that the other stuff is not like like just still move me but but here's a guy that is um that is as far as i can tell um really distilling things down to, you know, just what's necessary. And there's not much there as far as marks on paper, but these are the most interesting and, or the most dramatic and exciting comics I've seen. Yeah. Now, I could have just, like, seen it at the right time, you know. I could have just been, like, just primed to, like, see his stuff. I was, I was in art school. Uh, I, was, I was sort of heavily into simplification and, like, um, uh, uh, 
interpreting um, um, life in, in a sort of uh, uh, artificial way in, in the sense that like, you know, um, drawing shapes, thinking of shapes. Uh, a lot of the classes that I was taking were very shape-based uh, drawing. And, and Alex Toth, to me, sort of like bridged that um, gap uh, between uh, uh, in a weird way, naturalism and iconography. Um, he's sort of holding the two and, and distilling it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, the master of it. Yeah, really. Uh, but then like other guys start coming in, you know, that remind me of that sort of like the sort of, uh, fury of that's in like, like a Sienkiewicz type of artist. What, what I mean is, is somebody who is, allowing themselves to sort of uh, explore right on the page. Like then, so Jorge Zafino comes in. Um, and, uh, and then Sergio Topi, a completely yeah. different animal, you know? Um, yeah, we talked about those guys too. Very controlled, you know, beautifully designed. But then within all that control, there's this, if you look at it, there's this, this uh, looseness and sort of um, just... Uh, very tight, but but also um, this wildness, almost you know, this sort of you know contained um, spontaneity, you know, in his stuff. Kind of like uh, Eckhart Tolle's kind of feels like. I think that's not Eckhart. Is it that? Is the guy who whoever painted the kiss? Uh, no. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, let me look. This is gonna kill me. Freaking damn it! My brain. Get the list up. Hang on. Yeah, we get the list going. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. <laughs> no, go, 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 go. Kiss me. Uh, um, mm. Oh, Gustav Klimt. That's right. Oh, Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Sorry, yeah. I got the yeah. name picked up. But yeah, yes. I felt like with uh, Sergio's work, it had um, just the textural quality of his line work. Um, it's just really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a fan of Mobius's work as well? Well, yeah, then then you get a guy like that. Ah. Is another guy who is uh I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um talk about a guy with a range, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah, a person and, meant to draw. <laughs> God. Yeah. And and but I didn't get into his stuff till later, you know. Again, Same. I've seen Same. some of his stuff, you know, but I didn't get into his stuff till maybe I was uh you know, 5 or 6 years into, you know, drawing professionally comics, you know. Mm. And 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 I mean, the thing that like most attracted me and still does um, uh, about Mobius is his his courage, you know, and, and, and just sort of I can't think of another artist that I feel like like was willing to go into the unknown, you know, yeah. and you see it in his in his in the most simple drawings. You know, and you would think like courage. I don't mean like wildness or anything, but you see it like in his line. You know that he's following something, and he's right there, like like, and he's 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 paying attention to what he's doing, and that's that's uh. He's right on the edge between the childlike creativity and the draftsman skills of a seasoned veteran. Yeah, it's, and he's he's yeah. sort of balancing all these things, he, and he balances it really really well at all times, and it's just. <laughs> Yeah, it's fantastic to look. That's exactly Mobius for me. And that's the thing that I admire and love when I see his work, especially the best work that he does. I feel it really has that resonance for me. 
yeah, he's a, he's a, damn, I, I really admire these guys. And I think the core of it that inspires us is just to be yourself and have the courage to do your own thing, right? Well, well what does that mean? It just means whatever you sit down with your intention. So let's say that everybody's drawing like violence and guns and all this stuff. But you, 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 you can draw that and you feel like that would be really fun to do a story like that. But no matter what you do, you're drawing this picture of a bear, for example, or something. Okay. And, and, and whatever that is, that's what you want to draw, if that makes sense. Like that's the voice that you want to get out. Or like Tim Burton would just wanted to draw like little interesting characters and wrote a little poem on like scrap piece of paper basically and was using that as an exchange of energy because he was animating the fox and the hound or something at Disney and he wanted a, a mental physical escape. And so that intention of doing that, that's what I'm talking about. I think, you know, Mobius himself or any of these artists, I think we're talking about some of them more draftsmen than others, some are more imaginative, some are more pushing than others. But at the end of the day, I think perhaps what we're riffing on that we really like. And, and when I look at your work, I have the same thing as you have that intention. You're just following that intention, your intention to be, to draw the thing that you want to draw, whatever it is to have that artistic voice. You, the style that you make is the culmination of everything that you enjoy. Hmm. And th that's my guess. And that's what I've summed up thus far from my experience of studying and being an artist it's as well and and trying every day to, to discover what that is you know now do you think that that comes out um in spite of of your um design in a way in spite of your planning um that your intention your the you know the culmination of all the things that you like um do you feel that that comes sometimes whether you like it or not, it's going to look like your stuff. That, that you know, that's, that's what I mean. Um, yeah. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that comes with time. You know, I think your style and who you are as an artist comes out in time. The amount of dedication and, and time that you put into your own work, um, it, it your style is just going to show. You know, if if you're drawing like Frank Miller or Frank Frazetta or any of these people are. Even like yourself, if people are, are mimicking or drawing like you um, at the beginning, that's just because their taste is good and that, that's what they're interested in. But I think if they continue to draw and they continue to learn and continue to grow and push themselves and be influenced by multiple influences, I think that's really when somebody becomes themselves. And, I, and I, the hard thing, I think, for myself and a lot of people, too, that are interested in doing this or getting into this field, whether it be design or making films or any of this stuff is the learning curve is really significant and you have to be dedicated because you have to put in at least, you know, 5,000 hours or something like that. I think until you start to get your understanding of what a break is. And then, then the next one is, you know, the next one's maybe like 7,500 hours. I'm just making up numbers. And then you, yeah. hit the, then you hit the 10, the 10,000 hours. And that's when you really get a good uh, viewpoint at it all. I, I, I bring up jujitsu a lot because it's one of it's an important part of my life, and I equate a lot of things in, in the process of making art back to jujitsu in the belt system and as a white belt, and then it's like white, blue, purple, brown, and black. But when you have a black belt, it doesn't mean you're awesome. It just means that you finally understand jujitsu, and now it's your time to 
figure your own style out and bring back to the community. And it usually takes people about an average person about 10 years if they're working really hard at it to get it black belt in jujitsu if they're training under the right camp. And some of the, some people are just savants and like my coach is a savant. He's got it in three and a half years, but he just lived at the gym and he really dedicated his life to it. But I think it's a 10,000 hours or something like that. I I feel like not not everybody can does that. Some people are a little bit better and different, but even like bring up the, this recent phenomenon with the Kim Jung Ji guy, that crazy artist from Korea that just freestyles like crazy illustrations. Have you seen that, his work? Yeah, yeah, that guy is uh, not of this earth. Yeah, but he draws like from the things and people that I've talked to that have met him and discussed conversations with him is, I mean, he's not a, he's not like he's 20 years old. He's an older guy, not like he's old, but he's old enough to have spent a lifetime drawing, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, of course, I'm not trying to downplay his talent and his skill at all because it's amazing. But um, I think from a from a life of just drawing and freestyling, like Katsuo Torada is the same kind of same kind of category for me as well. It's just like this phenomenon that has a tremendous amount of ability, and but it comes from like just drawing a ton, you know. Like it's like if you're spending eight hours of your day drawing, you're gonna get good. Like that's yes. a guarantee, you know. Yes. Every, I think everybody wants an easy answer for this stuff, you know, and I think um, art is hard, you know, like, yes, there's no other way around it, you know. How often do you draw? I mean, are you drawing now? Are you drawing eight, ten hours a day or do you, are you finding a balance with your life? Um, uh, when you say drawing, do you mean uh, working on jobs or do you mean like just purely drawing from life. Just the art of you creating, you sitting down with yourself and your ideas and you're just you're just letting out whatever. So whether it be client work or your own personal stuff or Yeah, I mean uh, I I guess it's the act of connecting your hand, your imagination and 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 putting that to paper or whatever medium that you're using. Yeah, um I uh I work every day um and and seven days a week usually because what happens with me is is um since i i'm balancing family life i I ask yeah inevitably like like have a day like a monday or a tuesday where i only get like two or three hours of work in yeah so then i'll have to make that up on another day (laughs) you know what i mean yeah i absolutely do so so I end up working every day, even if it's one day. I maybe only get in the studio for a couple of hours. Then I have to make that up on Sunday and get in the studio, you know, for at least eight, you know, whatever. Yeah. And also the deadline, you know, on jobs, really like, you know, um, influences me. Uh, you know, uh, if I have time to do something, I will take that time. Um, uh, I would love to like finish stuff early and stuff, but that's not in me. I will take that time yeah. and I will take it to the very end. I'll get it in, but I'll take it to the very end. <laughs> uh, but I also make a separation between, between the work I do professionally or, or, uh, for print, you know, and comics and just strictly drawing from life. I think they're two different, they, they share some things, but they are, it's two different, um, uh, Two different things are almost required. Uh, energy, draw, passive yeah, energy. <laughs> focus, a different uh, uh, drawing from life is, I think, the 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 source. The, the it's it's the purest uh, 
form of, 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 you know, you're meeting the world with your observation and with your mark making. Yeah. And, and you, it's you and it's the world and it's your paper. And where are you? Are you there? Are you paying attention to where you are in your drawing or are you somewhere else? Are you in your head? Are you, are you concerned with making a good drawing and not fucking it up? Are you, you know, where are you? It's, it's, it's a pure sort of meeting of, of, you know, can you be present enough to, to be here with, with what's in front of you and make a drawing? Um, whereas other things come into play, um, uh, when I work on professional stuff under the lights, as I like to say, um, um, you know, the, the, the drawing from life is sort of the, it's the sort of purest, most rewarding sort of experience, especially if I do it progressively, like, like, like you say, every day, which I haven't, I hate to say, done in a long time, a, a pattern of drawing from life every day. I haven't done that in a long time mm. because that, like, like you say, if you draw every day for eight hours, you will get better. And yes, you will um, sort of, you will know, or at least you will become more familiar, or I have become more familiar in periods like that with um, my own sort of internal landscape and how that sort of translates to mark, marks on a page and the options that are available that mm. sometimes I don't, see sometimes if I'm not, uh, still inside. Um, so, so, you know, these things like sort of help me understand like, um, what drawing is for me at, 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 in, in times like that. And then th those lessons I can carry over into the studio to work on stuff that is, that is, you know, the challenge for me is always to try and bring some kind of um, it's such a cliche to say it's spontaneity, you know, some kind of life into something that really took hours to make and, and sometimes days, you know, and, and, and have it have a feeling of almost like it just happened or like, like it was done, uh, uh, with some, some kind of, uh, struggle. And, and it's okay to see it on the page. So like that, um, those lessons that, that, that I pick up sometimes drawing from life, um, are sometimes with me in the studio. So, okay. So in the studio, everything changes because, you know, all of a sudden I'm working from photographs. I'm working also from my imagination. I'm also drawing things that, um, I'm being asked to draw or told to draw uh, by a writer. Um, I'm taking into consideration the fact that things are going to be colored. There's a lot of other factors. I'm yeah. also a story, which is a completely different. It's not just one drawing. Now, all of a sudden, the drawing becomes almost, uh, it has to serve something. So a lot of times, the things that can come off really beautifully or that I feel like, wow, that really, that really works beautifully in this drawing from life. A lot of times I feel like that's not appropriate in a drawing that will be in a story because one of the things that, even though I'm a big fan of seeing, like I said earlier, the, the, 
the struggle or the, the sort of journey of the artist on the page. I also um, have a great respect for um, the art that is almost invisible. Yes. Service to the story. Purpose you know? to the story, yeah. Yes, just completely yes. serving almost to the point where you don't even realize yep. that yeah, the art. So th those are two like like um, you know polarities, right? Yeah. So like to try and sort of respect both those things, um, in in you know in trying to tell a story is, I think, kind of a struggle for me sometimes. Oh, I can so, imagine. I have a huge problem with that one. Because all yeah. I want to draw is like badass porn stuff. <laughs> Not porn. I just call it porn because it's like it's the boobs, you know, or okay. whatever. Or for the ladies, it's the it's the pectorals, you know. So <laughs> but that's how I look at it. Because I don't know. I guess I, at the end of the day, I just don't have a ton of energy because I'm totally depleted, and all I want to draw is like some cool ass, like I guess Frank Frazetta style thing, which is just like one image that is awesome and fun. And you tell your own story within that, I guess. But I have a huge admiration for guys like yourself and David and and all, and all these guys who are managing to to really pull me into this story because that's that's above and beyond this superficial surface level porn stuff, you know. That's 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 respect. That's the invisible art, and uh, I I love that. That's really I admire I admire really great self-sacrificing artists for the cause of telling a good story. It's a admirable quality, I think, for any artist, you know, to put your ego aside. But it's weird, though, because at the end of the day, whether we like it or not, it's a mark on paper or on a screen, <laughs> you know? Sure. And so there's this sort of... Well, the translation is uh, different, though, yeah. There's a paradox, though, in that, like, in, in, ingrained in that, because... Um, uh, no matter what you do, it's always going to be an artificiality that you're creating. You're not putting flesh and blood on paper. So, um, so then your attitude toward that determines a lot. Like, okay, there are some times where I feel like, let me embrace the fact that it's, it's artificial. Let me just, it's okay. Let, let, let the, the, you know, my, my sort of personality or, or, let the the art have a little bit of of uh, um, idiosyncrasy to it, you know. And there are other times where I feel like that's not, you know, that's not appropriate. It's got to sort of let's try and make things as as sort of quiet as possible. So you know that will be more appropriate, maybe for this moment in the story, or for or for this story in general. Um, and and so I'm always going like in this sort of chronic state of dissatisfaction. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's a tough road. <laughs> but I'm also a big admirer. I'm a big admirer of artists who can say, I'm going to decide on an aesthetic for this job, and I'm going to stick to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This kind of connects to what you were saying before, of like, you know, uh, it's going to look like your stuff, you know? It's it's always going to be you. Um I, I love that sort of maybe Mobius was like this too, um, where like like he sort of can decide on an aesthetic. He draws Blueberry, and Blueberry is like so different. That's, that's a different guy, but yeah. it's it, it's obviously just as alive, you know. Yeah. But it's, it's it's very sort of traditional, 
It's it's beautifully drawn, and it's but and but he does not violate that aesthetic. No, nope. you know, and you know yeah. he could, which makes it even more that impress that that much more impressive. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, and that I, I just have so much respect for that. I cannot do that. I mean, I, I don't feel like I'm that. Even though I've tried that in the past, I, I don't feel like I'm that kind of an artist. Uh, like I, it just always comes out looking like my stuff, and and that. That irritates me, you know. Sometimes, <laughs> like sometimes it's not appropriate. For yeah, the story, you know. Um, well, I wonder how you build yourself up as an artist to be able to have multiple, like like Bill Sienkiewicz style, different or, or Mobius. Or there's a lot of artists that are able to pull off different styles, but with the intention of their it's their own style with the equal amount of love and 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 fun and interest into each style, all its own. Um, I don't know. I, I guess that's just like a, a, that type of person, you know. And I think if you were to ask them to articulate it, and hopefully I get a chance to talk with Bill someday. But I think if I get a chance to ask him to articulate it, probably would be, this is just who I am, and this is just how I draw, you know. This I wanted to draw like this, and the just this is how it happened, you know. Like I imagine it's probably like maybe when we look at it, we're like, how do you do that? And then I think for certain people, I, that's when I really feel that. I don't know. I could use this word loosely, but talent or or, or uh, um, masterfulness uh, things are. Because I look at somebody that is has a masterful skill, I think of them as doing something that, to me or most people, it, it looks to be incredibly difficult and very challenging. But they do it with ease and effortlessness, and almost as if uh, it it has no challenge to them. And, How do you uh, know? How do you know it's effortless? Well, I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. I don't. I don't. I mean, I remember one of the when I was starting to work on my comic. I remember reading uh, an interview um, at the end of Parable. I think it was the Silver Surfer thing that Mobius did. Oh, isn't that great? Oh, his, I just. I was like, okay. Inspirational in his drawing. His writing is so honest. Oh, he's so he's. That's the thing I really admire about John Giro is his. He is very honest, and he was very like childlike in nature of how he communicated and I love that and that interview uh are the his response to the the challenges challenges that he had it made me realize that okay he's not a god he's a human just like us we all have pressures and stuff because what he wrote about the the strain and the challenge it was to create the silver surfer stuff and to and the pressure that he felt and um oh my god i love that I lo isn't it great and he said i lived in fear i think he says i lived yes. in fear what am i gonna do what yeah. am i gonna do i have i have to start in one week i yeah. have to start now what am i gonna do yes so, exactly great i love it because it's it's relatable don't you feel like that yes yes yeah. absolutely yeah do you feel like did you do you feel like over time with your ability to get more progressive or figure out more your style and and kind of know what you're capable of and what you want to push yourself do you feel like it becomes a little bit easier or is it always challenging every time you go and draw or create a comic or collaborate with somebody or whatever it may be oh. is it always a challenge for you you mentioned yeah, it a little bit earlier easy. it's never easy but the challenges are always different mm. you know yeah like, whether telling a better story or just dealing things down or yeah or or some subject matter may just be a little, uh, may have different demands, and I may have an idea that I want to sort of shoehorn into it, you know, that I have to sort of let go of, and that may be a challenge, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, that may have to, have to go through a few, um, 
fucked up images in order to, or I should say layouts, in order to figure out, like, what I'm trying to do here is not, I'm trying to fucking impose some design on something that is resisting and maybe I should try something different. You know, every, every challenge is sometimes, you know, sometimes, uh, uh, not getting a reaction from, from an editor or something can also <laughs> be a different, different challenge, you know? Give me love. Give or me this love. feeling of give me something. Yeah. You know? It's, yeah. You know, this feeling that like you're working in a vacuum can be very challenging. I oh think yeah. As much as we may not want to admit it, we all kind of want an audience in a way. Oh, of know? course. Of course we do. For the most part, almost all of us want that. Um, it's just human nature, you know, to want to be understood and to know that we're understood. You know, I think that, like I said, it brings me back to the conversation earlier. It's like, uh, I think we all want to be loved. We all want to love. You know, it's, a, it's an innate thing. It's proof, you know, that's why we have society. You know, like if we didn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work, you know. And I think as an artist, I always say it's, it's another dimension of communication, uh, creating art, you know, whether it be design or motion or films or storytelling or creating comics or illustrating. It's all, a, it's a language that um, is unlike any other uh, in its form. And the translation is very unique and interesting. Yeah. I read something recently that is really cool. There's this book called um, Panel Discussions, I think. Uh, somebody sent it out to me, and, I, and I've been really enjoying it. For me, as an outsider, trying to create comics or just get into figuring out how to do it properly, it's been a really good resource. And I read this article with Mike Mignola because I'm a really big fan of his work, especially yes. now because he's just he's just a distiller. He's, he's just all about distilling. And, uh, yes. And one thing I felt was really cool is, like I said earlier, like how he manages the bubbles into the design of the page and the flow and layout. Yes. But also, like you had mentioned, if there if, if there's a lot of stuff, and I see it a lot in your work as well, is if there's a lot of things going on and a lot of panels, you give at least one or two panels if it's important dialogue. You put the character uh, close to us, but then you you'd mute and delete the background and you create this intimate approach um, so that the reader is just focusing on the eye line or whatever it might be. And so therefore it's a sacrifice of wanting to put in detail necessarily. So it's like the opposite, like Otomo does a lot of detail and a lot of madness. And it's just like, a, just a world of just crazy detail and imagination. And it's fantastic and amazing, but it's almost overwhelming. Yeah. Jeff Darrow's work is similar like that as well. Um, yes. But the restraint, you go all the way polar opposite in Mike Mignola I always yes. find it funny too when I'm if I ever go to Comic Con, Mike Miola and Jeff Darrow are usually always together, like next to each other. Uh-huh. And it's, <laughs> they're, they're completely opposite styles, which I love, you know. But yeah. um, you're right. Yeah. yeah, they're opposites. Yeah, they're total opposites as far as style and, and approach. And um, yeah, I don't know. And I had a chance to talk to Mike a little bit about that last time at Comic Con. It was a lot of fun, just kind of discussing. Yeah, he, he he's he's an interesting guy. I think it's a He's, he's really figured out a lot of interesting things. And I think it's just the perseverance of continually going, you know? And, uh, yeah, because he started off as, like, a failed inker kind of in the comic industry and then became uh, this kind of iconic artist. And yeah, he really... Um, I, he's, his work is so um, beautiful, you know? It, yeah. it, it's It's... That's a, there's an example of a guy I think who makes it look easy. 
um, as far as I understand, it's not at all easy for him. But he really like, like, he, um, there's an elegance to his his sense of design and the simplicity of it. You know, it's 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 really beautiful work, and and just design is storytelling. Really, you can kind of see it in his work. You know, yeah, like you say, the way he composes pages. You know, really like like there's. Uh, there's a communication that's happening even just in the way there's a diagonal going across the page, you know, and this side is black and this side is white or a color, you know, there's yeah. a communication in that, you know, that you don't even really realize it. It affects you without you even realizing it. The invisible art. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, I think to me, that's a real sign of just a, a high level. A, high, a higher level of sophistication and stuff but there's all the you know like you, you can even um i mean i guess we even talked about like the reference that he had uh when somebody told him like look at frank 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 frazetta's um drawings look at the where he puts the blacks like distill your things into those shapes and i know how big of an impact and influence uh frazetta was for him and but then, you know, if you look at those two guys now, their difference, like their age and when they were creating the work that they were creating, um, it's totally different. But at the same time, they're very similar, you know, as far as getting that that main silhouette and the light source and the main the main information to get that energy across, you know. Um, it's, yeah. It's powerful shit. Frank Miller really pulled it off, like I mentioned, I think in Sin City you know, as well, you know. But, oh, I remember, like, at the time... I was at SVA and I was I was taking a class with Walter Simonson mm. and he brought in uh, Xeroxes of Sin City, um, the first Sin City, and I can still remember the splash. I'm sure you remember the splash from from that issue, one of the issues where Marv is getting into his car and it's just a silhouette and then the background is completely white and then in I think it's the upper right hand corner it could be left hand corner. There's just a white silhouette of a cross. Yep. And it's like you automatically read it as a church, you know? Yeah. And it's basically, the whole thing is basically three shapes. The entire (laughs) splash. And I remember thinking, oh, my God. I mean, like, talk about audience participation. I see that and, and I know exactly where I am. I know I have a feeling about where I am. And there's nothing there, but but I'm like like bringing all this to it, you know. My yes, own, you're feeling I, it, you know. Yes, yeah, it's it's great. It's well, great. I think with that stuff too is is um, especially with Sin City, I think it's it's it's, it's a thrill for our artists and imaginative, imaginative types because it's just the right amount of detail in order to leave enough for your imagination to fill in the blank. Yeah. But it's it's right on the cusp between those two things. I think that times when I've lost that connection with Frank's work is when he's gone beyond that, almost into the Picasso style where it's gone, it's gone to the element and range where it's, it's lost. It's, uh, that, that connection with me, I suppose, you know, and perhaps later on in my life, I'll acknowledge and, and appreciate that stuff. But I think art as well as in looking at, um, people that you admire and it influences it changes as age you know like we mentioned you know you use you got into mobius quite a bit later and um myself as well are just different artists that you're influenced by you know like i could when i was really into like the spawn stuff growing up 
I can't imagine being reading year one and being like, this is the best shit ever. Like I am now. Yeah. And I think only now do I appreciate that. And for me, I find that to be fascinating because it just goes to show that your audience is changing. If you're changing that much, then your audience is changing that much, you know, and how to deal with that, you know, (laughs) how do you, how do you manage to, um, what's your day to day like now? Is it, you got a good con, like a good setup with your family and they understand how uh, diva we can be. (laughs) Well, sometimes it's a problem, you know, I'll tell you. Yeah, Yeah, it uh, is. (laughs) My day-to-day is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty regimented. Um, uh, Take my daughter to school in the morning, get back here. I'm in the studio by around 8.30. Lunch is around somewhere between 12 and 1. Uh, around 2.45, I got to stop, pick my daughter up at school. And depending on, from that point forward, depending on the deadline, um, I'm either back in the studio when we get home and she's doing homework in the studio, or if I have a little more time, I spend the rest of the afternoon hanging out with her. She does homework. I may help her. My wife gets home around maybe five-ish. And, uh... After dinner, I'll get back in the studio, usually to around 12 or 1. And if the deadline is more pressing, I may just have to stay in the studio till whenever, you know? Yeah, like last night. And that's rough. Yeah, yeah. That's because then I got to I gotta be up at 7 to, to get her up. To <laughs> so you're on like an hour and a half of sleep then, huh? Uh, well, then, no. What happened was today, since I knew we were doing this, I, I got home and crashed for a couple hours. Oh, good. Okay. I didn't, I didn't want to have to, you know, subject you to me without sleep. <laughs> it's been a pretty quiet conversation. Sleep is important. It's, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I overlook it quite a bit and I wish I didn't because it's, uh, it's a very important, um, it's a very important, um, aspect of the creative system, you know? Yeah. No, it, yeah. You, you, almost, you can go on work. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, the whole body, the whole we need it. Yeah, it's in, and especially if you're doing physical activities, it's like I notice a big difference even between six and eight hours. You know, I usually yeah. get about six hours, but if I can get an eight hour, uh, it's awesome. Um, I was, I'm thinking about getting one of those like Fitbit things. Those, uh, my, a friend of mine, my buddy Jason, just got one. Um, him and that? his wife, and it's it's this thing you wear on your wrist. And, um, it, you say, hey, okay, I'm going to sleep or whatever attracts your amount of steps and walks and all your activity throughout the day. Um, but what it does is it, is it, is it, it's a sensor in it. it. I think, I'm not sure how it picks up a lot of these things, but, um, it'll tell you how you're sleeping basically, or it'll focus on, um, if you're, if you're, if you wake up or if you move or if you're in a complete dead sleep there's no motion to you you're you're in complete sleep so in the morning when you wake up you can look at basically a bar graph or like a a whole yeah i'll send you some stuff if you're interested in this because for me i find this fascinating because uh, i kind of i'm a bit of a control freak with some some of these things and and maybe i should probably not but i'm just curious because um some days i get really good sleep and some days i don't and i would really like to figure out a, a good way of manifesting a consistently good powerful amount of recovery so that I know the results are going to be good the next day because, man, I'm a whole different person when I get a good amount of sleep. 
I'm like, yeah, no shit. Yeah. I'm like, woo, yeah, world. If I don't get sleep, I'm all fuck you, everybody. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and the older you get, the worse it gets. Yeah, I've noticed that too. I um, I'm 31 now, and I'm just like, man, my body and my back, my face. <laughs> What's going on here? My ass sitting around yeah. all day. What the sitting hell? Down all day thing is is a real uh, silent. Uh, silent death problem yeah it's a ninja it's a ninja death it's like a colon cancer just gets you no i heard it's really bad to uh that's why i i do i try been i've been trying to do at least two hours of jujitsu uh every day actually now at least one but mostly uh two hours of training which is incredibly challenging it's super hardcore stuff so that's been really helping me but i don't know it's just like a good switch up from sitting down on my ass all day do you have a physical outlet? Do you go gym at all, or do you do anything like that? Yes, I try to uh, exercise, uh, whether gym or some kind of. Uh, you know what I did this past summer? Have you ever heard of that um, that DVD, that Insanity workout? Did you do it? That? I've done it. Yeah. Yeah, I did that. Yeah. Oh, good for you, man. That's just hard, dude. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. I almost threw up the first fitness test. I almost throw up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I lost like, I think I lost like 26 pounds or something doing that yeah, shit. I lost like 20 pounds. Yeah. Fuck, good for you, man. Did you do it with your wife or just by yourself? No, I, I, I did it by myself cause she injured her shoulder. And, oh, and, that sucks. Uh, yeah. She had a fall and, 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 and tore a rotator cuff. So she's still actually recovering from that. She cheer but, you on. Go babe, go. And uh, you know, it, it's t- especially that second month. Some of those Ooh. movements are like, "What are you kidding me?" <laughs> <laughs> if we only could take pictures of our re- facial reaction watching the Sean T is his name. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> fuck you, Sean T. Or like uh, Tanya. Screw you, Tanya. <laughs> My wife and I would always make jokes and like laugh as we're doing it. We're like, "What the fuck? Like, <laughs> how dare you?" I would try to keep up. I would probably do maybe eighty percent. 85%. That's really pushing it with those guys. Because it's like a 45-minute workout, and you're just pushing it hard. The cardio just, is out yeah, of control. I just try and go at my own pace. Yeah, that's good. Stop, you know, like, yeah. if, you know, if I feel the, the it's there in the gas, in the gas tank, I'll, I'll, I'll try and keep up with them. But I usually cannot keep up with their pace. But I'll try <laughs> and not stop, you know? That's like, good. As long as you're not stopping. reps, you know? Yeah, because I think I would blast myself, and then I'd have to take a quick second to oh, breathe. Man. <laughs> you could blast yourself in the warm up. You know? Seriously. Yeah. We, so we, we, so we've done the, the insanity thing, which, uh, I'm actually pretty proud of that cause that's not easy. <laughs> and, uh, then we recently did the T25, which is like 25 minute to 30 minute workouts, oh, so which what is, is more that? convenient. It's a, it's, it's like insanity, but it's a little bit, um, there's no stretch, there's no warm up. And it's more distilled to something. And some of it is just as hard and some of it is a little bit easier, I think. Um, But we finished that too. That was kind of a bitch to do. My wife's continually doing it. But I'm like, dude, I'm doing two hours of jujitsu. I don't want to do another like a half hour workout on top of that a day. It's like two and a half hours of workout. T25? Yeah, it's T25. That's what it's called. Is that is that uh, all body weight like insanity or is that like yeah I think that they, they there is some added weights if you want to um, but I uh, I mean I get we we did get pound I think I got like a fifteen pound dumbbells or something and my wife mm-hmm. got like the five or ten I can't remember but that's that was really um, I, I that fucking sound man you know and like that start up the insanity dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's like oh no. <laughs> 
<laughs> fuck nightmares yeah it, it will give you nightmares right it's like dude but um you feel good though you know after you do that shit it's oh, like damn feel fantastic yeah yeah and, feel- and the thing is like before like you know there's this whole like case that i build with myself like oh man I, i'm afraid to do this now you know like i don't want to <laughs> do this but if i just go bite the bullet and do it i know i'm gonna feel better oh, later. Yeah. I, ju- I just know it as a fact i'm gonna feel better even if i feel like throwing up when i finish <laughs> half an hour after that i'll feel better that's know? just a reward system you do it and then you feel like you've accomplished something you feel rewarded for that accomplishment you know i think that's definitely uh that's just a part of being the human nature part you know i think i find to be fascinating and and, and if and, and goals setting goals and accomplishing them but if you finished it and you did it it's like dude that's a that's something to be proud of it's not easy not everybody can get through that you know it's a bitch i had a hard time with that i was like oh man yeah i, I really almost threw up in the beginning i was like dude this is out of control <laughs> because i was i think i was the heaviest i've ever been uh, in my life and i was like dude what the hell is this i sit down to use the bathroom like what the hell's going on here <laughs> and, i mean sitting down all day like that that's the it's the inactivity that 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 kills us i mean i, I was when i started that thing this was back in in May. I think I was up to like two fifteen, two eighteen. That's where and I now started. Down yeah. to one ninety five. It's not bad. How tall are you? I'm five eleven. Five eleven. Okay, I'm six two, and I was like two fifteen ish. Yeah, now I'm at one eighty three now. Oh shit! You're skinny, man. Yeah, I'm gonna. Try, I, I wanted to cut down to one seventy five for jujitsu for competing, but. I think I'm naturally right around this 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 weight. So my wife says I'm way too skinny, but I'm like Bruce Lee right now. I'm Bruce Lee style. Wow. <laughs> hey, as long as you're in shape, that's fine, you know. Yeah. I've been really focusing on diet too. Um, that's very important. Yeah. Yeah. The saying I had a friend who was really into bodybuilding and lifting and all that stuff, and he said the saying I th- felt was really pretty much directly honest. He said, "You don't get abs in the ki- in the gym; you get them in the kitchen." <laughs> <laughs> and uh and i it's like of course you know so i've been really focusing uh um getting a lot of advice about nutrition and and how to eat and i've been doing this like every couple hours i eat a little small thing um to keep my metabolism going and then also get my body used to because before i would be like fuck it let's just eat um you know lunch let's eat a big ass lunch and then uh what would happen is i would have this downfall you know so after every big meal i would have this cr- like this crash basically so what i'm trying to do now is every two and a half hours or so um i've been trying to be somewhat regimented about it but um start off my morning with like some sort of banana or cottage cheese or oatmeal or something uh, some natural nuts and stuff and then throughout the day mix it with some protein and 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 um vegetables whatever i can get those from and and then uh yeah just continually eating that and then ending my day with like a casing protein shake before I go to yes. sleep and then letting my body slowly digest it and process it through the night. Then I wake up and I'm just like ripped. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm joking. <laughs> That's not like that at all. <laughs> but no, I, it's, it's the first time in my life that I've um, really started figuring out how to take my um, diet seriously. And I also have like a Vitamix that's been really, uh, really key to life. I think <laughs> just keeping the health going and stuff. So, well, part of that 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 regimen was the the two thousand calories a day thing. Mm. Did you follow that? Yeah, I, I got that that My Fitness Pal app. You know. Okay, cool. Yeah. 
calorie counting thing. Mm. That really helped me like um, just pay attention to what I put in my mouth, you know? Yeah. You know? Yeah, you, you, will be, you become accountable for it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think if you have that and the Fitbit together, because the Fitbit, I think, does some bits like that, too. I think it takes all these information. Um, what's it? The uh, I forget the name of biometrics, basically, of your what your system. I, I, I can't wait for the setup that your phone just knows what the hell is going on with your body. So it's kind of like your walking doctor or your phone or whatever, your personal. Apple is eventually going to come up with it, some, something like that, where it's it's your your body, your system, your 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 everything so you know that you're doing okay like if your blood sugar's low or whatever you have all these different sensors and setups so that you can be healthy and more intact in tune with things I, one of my best friends anthony his he didn't realize for the longest time that he was um gluten intolerant so he would eat bread and then he would turn into an asshole and uh <laughs> you know and then it took him all the way until he was like 30s you know to, f- to go you know what i think this bread is shitty i think i should stop eating this bread and and uh before he knew it he you know he wasn't shitting out of his guts and all upset at the world so <laughs> oh, <holy laughs> yeah and so i think it would be really interesting and, and i bet that would help a lot of people if they knew you know, like, dude, you're, you're a diabetic, you know, like, yes. you, you should, you should are like, Hey, you have, uh, your health, your, your heart sucks. You, you got to ease up on these things and substitute it for these other things, you know, or some vitamin deficiency or something. You need sure. to some supplements or something. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's weird because, um, the funny thing is we're so connected to our bodies without being connected, you know, like it takes effort to be connected to our bodies properly. And, and it takes it, attention. And, but the, some of the happiest people I've ever met are people that are really in tune with, between their mind and their body. And I think that's uh, just a part of being, um, I think that's a huge significant truth uh, as far as having a, a good life is, is discovering um, that balance between the two, you know, and finding Absolutely. it, you know. But, you know, it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I say that, but then there's also people that go too far and, push themselves and they want to be perfect and they take too many supplements and yeah then down the tube they go <laughs> yeah, but that's 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 a, an example of someone who's not in, t- in touch you know that's out yeah, of balance out of balance yeah. yeah everything in moderation right i guess it's a cliche but i guess it's because it's true <laughs> yeah there's some cliches that are there for a reason they're they're there to because they're absolute truth usually and i think that's one of those things yeah because i think as humans, I think if we consume too much, it um, it loses that aspect of what it was in the beginning of its, you know, it's like the first time getting your the keys to your first car, you know, and uh, now I get in the car, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm thinking about all kinds of other stuff. I'm not even thinking about the joy of just being able to get in a, to a vehicle and drive, you know, and yeah, just those things are, you know, the first time you had sex or there are really amazing sex. And then if you have too much of it, you're like it. You don't. You lose sight of what it is. You know. So, yeah. 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 Let's spend the rest of the podcast talking about sex. No, <laughs> you're all. Uh, <laughs> <You're over. laughs> yeah. No, I'm just. I, I love awkward moments too because it's part of life. <laughs> but, um, to go back to talking about kind of the art stuff and what you're doing with art and your experience with it. 
where do you where are you seeing your career? What do you what do you want to do with all this stuff? I, I remember you asking me a bit of questions about what it is that I do. I thought it was kind of funny and interesting. Yes. Like because I'm like, no, no, I want to know more about you, and then you're, I want to know about you. I'm like, ah, there's nothing to know about me. <laughs> I'm curious. I'm curious. Um, looking at your stuff, I was looking at your site and 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 those drawings you sent me. Like like I wonder. Like I mean, I know that that stuff is for like a story you're actually working on with somebody. Uh-huh. Um, which I guess you're not sure if it's going to be a comic or a film or you're, you're still, or you're pretty set on what medium it's going to be. It's going to be oh. everything. Uh, I kind of like, it's weird. I, as of now, I want it to be kind of like everything I want. Cause I just see it. And I'm like, I want, I want a toy of that. That'd be so cool as a toy. And I would, I'd love to see a poster of these things. And I would yeah. love to have a comic book of this. And yeah. I would love to see this in film because there's no balance for me, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much it. it's me being confused about it, but at the same time being completely intention my complete intentions there to make a kind of a I suppose it's kind of like what Ashwood did with the, what he created or what Todd did or Mike Mignola did with what they created, you know, like creating more than just one experience, it's multiples, you know. But it will begin somewhere. It will begin with a story, right? Yes, it all comes from the story, and the story is already sorted out, and it's crazy as shit. It's it's really cool. I think the story is is just as cool, if not cooler, than the images. And I find so it. So you got the story already written? Yep, it's all figured out. Um, the next step is to um, we're working out um, finding some key moments to do the comic out of. So just focusing on, cause like I said, um, I have a real hard time with comic stuff. <laughs> like I was like, yeah, I'll just do the comic. And I'm like, wait, how do you do comics? Like I, you know, like I only know how to draw the porn part, you know, <laughs> like how do I figure out the storytelling things and make it look good? So I think it's more or less just digging in and, and jumping into it, you know, and, and learning along the way. And maybe I'll bug you and be like, what do you think? Is this shit? You know, like, give me some tips, please. <laughs> Help me here, master. <laughs> but no, I just, I, as of now, I, it's, um, we already have the story and, um, it's, there's a lot of really amazing things, a lot of progression happening. There's a lot of big things that are on the horizon with it. And um, But yeah, it all starts from the story. We actually kind of went backwards. It started from me just being possessed to draw and learn how to draw again. And then all these characters emerged. And then and then it's like, oh, let's make, a, let's make something out of this. And So when you started drawing these characters, was did it begin with... Um, I'm always curious about beginnings and because I find myself sort of um that's kind of an area that is tricky but anyway did it begin for you with with drawing these characters like completely from your imagination or did you have an idea or some ideas of of something you wanted to go for and then you gathered reference and it was a combination or how did, how did it start yeah i think it's a bit of both uh actually lost boy itself was created um i had been asked it was odd. I got been asked from this magazine, uh, Imagine Effects. They said that we're doing a comic issue. We saw your Kira stuff. We wanted to see if you wanted to do one. I was like, yeah, that sound's cool. They're like, okay, pick a comic character and, and then draw it. And I was like, oh, I, I love the Punisher. I thought it was going to be be fun. Everybody, and I, I I don't think I can draw Batman because it's just, I I'm too scared of how amazing Batman is. I haven't figured out how to draw him properly yet. So I'm like, <laughs> I remember the funny thing too is that later on after I'd said that, I read an article way back before when Frank Miller was doing Daredevil and 
he was afraid of doing Batman as well because of just how big it is, you know? And so I thought that was kind of funny, but so, yeah, so I was like, okay, I'll do Punisher. And I started drawing it. And my wife's like, that's whack. Why are you drawing another character? Why don't you just make up your own? And I was like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> I'm just trying to have fun here. Yeah. So yeah. And, and my wife, my wife uh, pressured me to, uh, to, to be creative and create my own thing. And, and then there was uh, first drawing. I did lost boy was in that magazine. And then, and I was like, hey, this is kind of cool. And then I got asked to do art for this other magazine. And I was like, uh, all right, cool. Uh, uh, I'm just going to draw these guys. Because it was like a more of like, a, it's a magazine focused on like um, contemporary mech uh, art, mechanical art and illustration, imaginative, like film kind of stuff. And and everybody, uh, a lot of people and the artists in that magazine are the book draw a lot of in in film lately it looks like film or or concepts for film so it's got full color and all these details and stuff and i was like well i'm just going to contrast this just like frank miller did with sin city and i'm going to go completely opposite and just do black and white and so and after those two drawings happened i was like oh this is a lot of fun and now i'm i'm loving drawing again because i'm not drawing for anybody else other than myself so it was like when the first time since i was a kid so I fell in love with it again, and now I have like 600 drawings. Wow. <laughs> it never ends. <laughs> That's great. It's fun. I just so feel what, possessed. Okay, so I'm still like, so then where, at what point does the story start to like begin for you? Is it right at the beginning or like? No, the story began, um, so my buddy Anthony, Anthony Scott Burns, who I do a lot of my projects with, he's an incredibly talented person, and we're, we, we're really similar with the things that we love and but very different in certain ways and uh so um we just been talking about it and then i was like hey we should do a comic and i have this stuff this would be fun and um so i think it kind of started out like we what i talked about with tim burton who just drew on like a scrap piece of paper with these characters and then he wrote a little poem that he thought was fun and, and dear to his love for christmas and halloween and, and the idea of connecting them to so i think the intention at the beginning the beginning intention was just like, you know, let's just create something fun. And then uh, Anthony and I are into really weird stuff. And so uh, the story just kind of wrote itself. I think all great stories just write themselves because mm. they just come in, in initially. They come, uh, is it innate, I guess? They just naturally come about as you create. And so um, this, the drawings were creating and then the story was creating itself too. And so I think the story, we kind of manifested it uh, over dinner uh, pretty quickly <laughs> and really? it was the main core of what it is you know uh, the ideas and the yeah. things and yeah. and uh, we're still sticking to the core thing so it, and that's the thing I mentioned to him too I said you know it's been months and I haven't said anything that I don't like about the story I haven't wanted to change it at all really you know I'd still like it which is a weird thing usually I change things a lot but mm. it just goes to show that the intention was there so so that's kind of the process so and it's oh. been it's been really interesting, I, and I'm hoping that uh, I guess it's kind of like uh, also those the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle guys are influential to me too, is um, because then if any time I have doubt that I am making something weird, I just say that name and I go, okay, it's fine. Like they <laughs> they managed to make it happen, you know, like you know what I mean. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and they they did it, they did a great job with what they did. And they shared their their ideas with other people, and they made that's it. That's probably part of the appeal too. That sort of sort of off the wall. So nature. off the wall. Yeah, it's kind of like Adventure Time. I'm a big fan of Adventure Adventure Time, the cartoon. You ever watch that? I've never seen Adventure Time. I am aware of it. I know. I know of it. Yeah, um, you should check it out. It. It's fucking fantastic. Really? Comic uh, cartoons are back. 
you know, and they're awesome. Cool. And and Adventure Time is why I love ca- cartoons again. Okay, let me get the list out. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I'm gonna like fill your thing. It's going right under T25. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, you're gonna be busy. <laughs> you're like, damn it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. The How's, list's long. Yeah, it is. I have a long list, and I get. I think a lot of it too is I get. Um, because of the podcast and how connected I am with everybody in the community, I get a lot of really awesome articles and advice and just things from everybody. There's a lot of really great shares that people share with me in my life. And and so I constantly passing this stuff on. It's just gems, you know, like one, like the thing I'm really into now, I'm almost finished with this, like 25 hours or something of uh, Steve Jobs book. And uh, it's taken me like two and a half weeks to get through it because I listened to it when I can really focus on it or I'm in passing of things that it's fascinating. I've been re- re- recommending everybody to listen to it because it's just a, okay. it's a fascinating, it's the thing I love about it is it's very honest and What's uh, the name? it's just Steve Jobs. It's, Steve a, his, Jobs. it's just his book. If you have like audible or something, I don't know if you listen to audiobooks. Um, it's on oh. audible. Okay. Um, it's like a shameless plug cause they help sponsor the podcast, but okay. Okay. it's a rad service cause I don't know. As I work, I don't just listen to music, so yeah, I love like content to get in my head because that's what fill, fuels a lot of stories too, you know. So, but um, what about you? What's your creative process like? Do you, are you do you use reference much, or do you not, or do you draw from a bit of both, or what's uh, your, what's your process when you when you get a script or something, or do you write one, or what's what's give me the nitty gritty. Well, um, the writing is something I'm still working on. Um, it's something that uh, you really have to carve out time for. Because I've been a, 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 a sort of work-for-hire guy for so long that, that it, you can just do that, you know. Um, but there's something a little unsatisfying about it. Um, I guess kind of like your wife said, why are you drawing somebody else's thing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, it's true. Uh, it is true. And that's what I was so pissed about it because she fucking nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, all my heroes draw other people's stuff. <laughs> but she's right. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, usually like when I get a script, I'll, I'll, you know, it ends up, it ends up being a, a combination of, of, you know, a lot of reference, but also there's an element of, of connecting the dots because, I don't really work from direct photographs in the sense that I don't. I certainly don't pose people and photograph them. I, I find I've tried that in the past, and I find it kind of, I feel kind of sort of handcuffed by that. Yeah, um, it weird. it kind of takes the life out of the art in a weird way for but, me. But it I brings mean, it there. Else, other people can make it work fine for them, you know. But sure. I, it kind of like if it's there, if it's all there, it's almost like. Fuck, why am I going to draw it? Why would you draw it exactly? Yeah, yeah. it's like taking a movie and, and, and adapting it in a certain way. But yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, well, what do you bring into it? You but know? saying that, I, you know, Mignola did that translation of Coppola's uh, Dracula, and it was pretty fucking awesome. So, yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> there's exceptions. <laughs> yeah. But, sorry. But that's not a direct, like, shot-for-shot shot thing, though, is it? Uh, no, but there are – he did take certain shots. Like, there are – like literal film translations to, from his art to the film, like his film, the film to his art, basically. Oh, huh, okay. Go back and look at that. Um, hmm. uh, <laughs> Stumped you. No. It's weird, no, because Mignola stuff is so, um, in a way, like 
like devoted to its two dimension two dimensionality in a way. You know, it's 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 I think profoundly graphic. You know, it, it doesn't. I, I look at Mignola stuff and I don't think of cinema at all. I yeah. think of, of of posters. I think of of graphic design, and I think of of in some cases fine art. You know, yeah. I don't think of movies. It's weird. A lot Del Toro of did. Yeah. But um, uh, the hell was I talking about? Yeah. What the hell were we talking about? No, I'm just joking. You're talking about your process. Reference. Yes. Yeah, reference. Yeah. It's it, you know, it's a mix. If I get a like you know, like, if I get a job that I know. Every job needs ends up using more reference than I expected to, but I use it in a way that I, again, another cliche. I try and be organic about it. Um, <laughs> I, at the beginning, gather a lot of reference, and now it's possible with with Google Images to gather a large body of photographs. I'll gather, 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 and eventually, like, I'll start narrowing down, like you know, things that I like from certain shots and, and maybe some shots that are unrelated completely in subject matter that I want to bring some element in. So I'll, I'll try and somehow make a sort of stew out of it. Then I'll start on my layouts. Um, and my layouts won't be like direct, obviously, shots that I'm looking at. I won't like copy compositions necessarily from photographs, but I'll definitely be using the photographs to um, you know, help me solve some problems in the layouts, which is usually you know questions of proportion and and uh, costumes or you know whatever the job is. Every job is different. Sometimes I'm called upon to do more like like you know imaginative stuff, like you know uh, invent some kind of a machine or something in a story, you know whatever. And I may look at the interiors of tanks, or I may look at uh, engines, or I may look at photographs. You know, River Rouge from like you know the Ford plant in the nineteen whenever that was twenties. So it depends. Everything is different. Um, yeah. In the end, I try and keep it kind of kind of organic, and and from the layout process, then I'll I'll uh, you know I'll start my layouts fairly tight, um, and I'll do them print size. And, and oh yeah, then, you draw your layouts at the eleven by seventeen. Is that what you work in? No, no, the print size of the comic. So almost like eight and a half by eleven. Oh, okay, eight and a half by eleven. Okay. And and then I'll I'll as this what I've noticed is as the you know story progresses, my layouts will probably get looser and looser because I kind of feel like in the beginning I have to earn almost like getting into the story, into the world of the story through drawing and through figuring certain things out and where things are in space, and that takes a few pages. And then I almost feel like I'm in the story. I'm in the world of the story, and my layouts can be looser, and I kind of still know what they mean because I kind of can use more of a shorthand for myself. Um, and then from there, I'll move on to the 11 by 17 pencils. And uh, then, you know, those vary in terms of their tightness. Sometimes some things are very, very tight, uh, sometimes because of, neurosis sometimes because i just feel like i need to like solve something in pencil before i move on to ink and sometimes they're very loose um depends the 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 pencils are sometimes more interesting than the inks in that they're very uneven um, yeah sometimes very clean. energy usually too yeah and sometimes so not sometimes intentionally like i'll find i'll do something intentionally like uh clumsy or pretentious even mm. uh knowing that 
when I come time to ink this, I'll have something to change. You know, sure. I, I like I, I really dislike this drawing, but I'm going to move on. And when I come time to ink it, I'm going to take a joy in fixing it. <laughs> you know, sure, sure. So I play these little games with Give myself. Give yourself something at the, when you're yeah. doing it. Yeah, it's, it's like everything is too resolved. Then it, the inking sort of becomes like automatic pilot, which, which you know, I I I don't know. I kind of feel like in the end, the lines that are seen are the ink lines. So I want those lines to have some kind of spark to them you know mm -hmm. um, and even if that's like leaving some things to be solved completely in ink you know um so you know the pencils are really the heavy lifting the pencils and the layouts and then the inks uh vary sometimes you know the inks can be very very um challenging because i'll 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 you know, find myself sort of, you know, the, the, the price that I pay for trying to be less formulaic or more uh, organic about stuff is that a lot of times I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> cause me to lose time and like redo stuff and, and that's, that's not good, you know? Yeah. Um, and it can be frustrating. Especially sometimes. on timelines. <laughs> yeah. So. What, what about tools are you using for the inking and stuff? Are you using the, like the sable brushes or whatever? A big mix, you know, it goes from uh, from Hunt 107 uh, dip pen, very old school, croquel nib, uh, sometimes a uh, uh, Winsor Newton uh, Series 7 brush, uh, size 2, 3. That seems to be like the, the standard uh, in the industry. But also like 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 old dried out piece of shit brushes that <laughs> odd lines and marks. You know? Yeah. And lately, I've I've also enjoyed lately using a Pelican fountain pen um, and markers always, and also white. A lot of white paint, you know, for the layering and sometimes tape. You know, it's a mix. I try and keep it, you know, kind of like I said. I don't want to settle into like okay, this is the way I draw now. But then, like I said, also, like, like, I always end up, like, doing it, looking like my own stuff. So, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, that's the journey. That's the journey of what it is and, and getting lost in whatever that journey takes you. Because uh, <laughs> it's funny, I, I feel uh, similar, I think a lot of artists can probably relate, is, is a desire to have a difference, but at the same time... Uh, it just, you know, that's at the end of the day, it's your work and it's just comes out to be that way, you know, whether you yeah. like it or not, it's just, uh, that's just your voice, you know, and I guess the amount of time and the hours and effort that you put into it, it, it I guess it just kind of culminates into these things, but even trying different tools, you're still, your mind's eye is going to see that, that, that thing, you know, it's going to see it's going to see it before you draw it. Do you have that as well? Or I find that I have a great success when my mind's eye, my imagination sees it before. And mm -hmm. it, and if I can really hone in on my drafting skills to kind of connect those two things or fool my mind into seeing new shapes, uh, mm -hmm. then I have a, a lot better. I, I don't get as pissed off at the end of it. So <laughs> there's been years of drawing where I'm like, fuck, when am I going to get better at this man? Like, well, you're probably getting better and don't even realize it in a way. Sure. Well, it's so, such a slow. There's this thing like you were talking about, like like being a diva and stuff. You know, like yeah. Like, there's this thing that I've noticed that happens a lot of times. Be well, usually after I finish a job, I go through a period of like 
some kind of a depression. I don't know what that is. Some, it's very common. And, it, and it's proportional to the size and length of the job and intensity of the job. It's sure. weird. But then there's this thing of like, um, sometimes you reach a point where where uh, you're no longer satisfied with the way things you were doing, with the way you were doing things. So all of a sudden, like the th way that you were doing things before is no longer acceptable to you or you want to improve and it becomes very frustrating because you're right at the cusp of like taking a leap forward or improving. Yes. And I think it can be kind of a frustrating place to be because you find that you're about to take a step. You don't realize it. Uh, all you sort of are in front of is the fact that you dislike what you're doing, uh, <laughs> you know, because yeah. you're about to sort of uh, do something better, you know? Yeah. Um, so you've learned some things, maybe subconsciously, maybe through exposing yourself, and now you no longer sort of are satisfied with the same old way. And I think that that can be a frustrating place to be, and almost a depressing place sometimes, because you feel like, oh, my shit sucks, you know? Sure, and you're uh, in that transitional maybe, phase. Maybe check in a month later, and you may be doing work that's better, you know? Yeah. And a step forward. Totally. I think that's a great way of looking at it and also acknowledging your growth and not being so bad on your, and hard on yourself because, yeah, that is the challenge. I think I, I've been able to encapsulate that experience with this thing that I'm doing is because I see all the files at once and I look back at, like, I'll go back to an older piece and go, oh, I, I spent a lot more time on this, but it looks like crap. You know, like I missed all these things, you know, and, and, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, okay. Cause like, I know what you're saying. Um, that's a very common thing too. It happens to everybody that I know that's creatively really putting themselves into projects is that, um, lull, the depression after. Yeah. It's a yeah. very common thing because, um, I think of, of it like relationships, um, whether a relationship's good or bad, if there's passion involved with it and if it breaks off, there's going to be some bit of you that's disconnected from the reality of that past day, you know, right, the, right. The, 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 the reflection of that person, who you were and what it was that you were doing. It's very challenging, I think, as artists and creative types to switch and change and, sh and adjust at all times. Uh, I think in the film industry and what I do for a living is is very demanding on the sense of like, okay, now I'm doing this movie, now I'm doing this one, now I'm doing that, now I'm doing this. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's been really challenging. I imagine it's really similar for you as well, um, working on these. What's the process like as, as far as timeline-wise is um, – like, do you, are you able to pull off like a page every couple of days or is it, is it, do you do it like that or do you do it in a different format where it's like, you know, I take care of a big clump of stuff. Um, oh, Jesus. Um, does it change every, every project for you or? Well, so let me, let me ask you, like, uh, I think when it really gets challenging is when you have to self-motivate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, so since you're sort of immersed now in, you know, besides the other work you're doing in, in creating this, this story and bringing it to some kind of form, uh, whether it's a comic or something else, the Lost Boy stuff I'm referring to. Yeah. Uh, do you, like, how, what is your sort of uh, way to you self-motivate? How do you um, get yourself to, um, to work on it, to do it? Um, you know, it's funny. I ha I've had a few people ask me this recently because of the amount of work that I have done with it. And it's, it's just because it's a passion project. So, but I think my only good answer for that is I just love it and I do it no matter what. So it's kind of weird. Um, I've never had anything kind of like this before where it's just, I love it so much and it's just having a lot of fun with it. And it's this weird, it's like the reverse of, um, writer's block, I guess. Hmm. 
It's like creative bukkake. That sounds <laughs> unfortunate uh, comparison. <laughs> well, I was trying to think of overload, so it's no, the no, I, I hear you. It definitely communicates. <laughs> no, no, I think it's just like an overload of just. I, I, I think if I watch like an old film that I love, or an old anime, or um, I read an old comic, which I try to do all these things quite a bit to fuel myself and. Um, the times that I have dry spells with it is when I'm not inspired and I have to go re up on my, I got to go get, become a character of the wire and go in there and re up on all my, my, my art from all my influences and stuff. And, but I, I think it's that, but it's also, um, I rigorously plan my days and, um, I try to stick to them as close as possible. And I usually always try to cut at least an hour of, of my day out just for lost boy, no matter what it is. Um, I don't always get a chance for it, um, but I try to. And um, I and talk about like balancing all around. Like m- for me, my schedule is just so crazy. I'm always into one. I'm always in one job with one foot out towards the next one because they're booked. Their bookings are like weeks. They're like either a week or two weeks, you know. And I gotta always be counting on to the next job. And it's just yeah, it's just it's utter madness to be completely honest. Um, freelancing is a can be a a hectic, a hectic setup, you know. How about do you do you have have you had a hard time with the freelance thing, or have you figured it all out and kind of found a good well, I zen? I haven't, haven't figured it all out. I mean, it's it's uh, it's you know, it it does help to be organized, um, big time. And 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 part of being organized, I've found that helps me is to write things down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, just on a on a calendar. You know, just know that okay, this is going to be due this week. And, you know, and that way I'm seeing it. And not only have I written it down and I'm seeing my sort of like, you know, future there in, in the next few months. So that, that helps me just sort of organize, uh, my weeks really. Uh, and, uh, and, and know when stuff has to get done. And it, it, cause I, I used to, when I first started in comics, I would keep deadlines kind of all in my head. and i was pretty good about it you know i was not like i was like not flaky about it but i could just kind of remember that stuff was due you know and and it worked for me but but the more and more i just kind of want to stick to um you know like you've talked about goals before and and you know sometimes those deadlines are are deadlines that i sort of self-impose because I know that like, you know, the following week I need to be doing something else or I'm going away or whatever, yes. you know? Um, so that's about like meeting those, those goals and sort of being disciplined about it, which, which I have to say sometimes is a real challenge for me because I, um, you know, like I said before, I try and keep, um, the process. I, I, I like to keep an element of, of, uh, of not knowing in my process up until the very end, you know, and mm. sometimes the the price for that for me is is um, lack of sleep. <laughs> well, yeah, it ends up being lack of sleep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, drag on, or you know, like something that I had hadn't expected uh, to be difficult ends up taking way longer. You know, it just you can't really anticipate sometimes. Yeah, uh, some things, um, and I don't know. I mean, I, I'm always wondering if that's a good attitude if it 
not sure how professional it is. Um, it, <laughs> I, think, I think it results in, in more interesting work for me. It definitely results, I think, in a more interesting process for me. Whether or not it's reflected in the final work, I don't know, because um, I really have nothing to compare it to. But but it's a process that kind of works for me. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, You're still I, figuring it out. Yeah, I, I also kind of respect you know guys who just they treat it like like you know um, like a baker. You know, I'm in. I'm in. I'm going to do this. This is what the work that I do. I'm doing you know two pages a day, and I'm doing it no matter what. I do two pages a day. Bam, out. And regardless of of you know whether it's perfect, you know whatever you know, and and they they sort of move through it. There's something to be said for that. I mean, one of the things about comics is that uh, there's so much drawing and there's so much storytelling that, you know, problems, you know, keep coming back, the same problems. So, you know, you may, like, work on a page, sequence, a book, you know, a series, uh, and have a series of problems that, you know, you maybe feel like some of them you, you solved well, others not so well. You can be sure those same problems will be back. <laughs> so it's kind of like baseball, you know. It's like baseball. It's always more of a long-term, sort of more relaxed attitude about things. You know, oh, you know, we lost four games this week. We'll get them next week. You know. Yeah. You know, it's more kind of like you know you can count on seeing this stuff again. So that I think, you know, sort of speaks to like the value of like having that sort of workman-like blue-collar attitude of just get in there, do it. You know, do your best. You know, I'm not saying hack anything out. Sure. And uh, but but you'll see those problems again. Like that's not me. That I can't. I you know I have a lot of respect for that, but I can't. I, maybe I'm just not disciplined enough. You know, maybe that's what. Maybe that's what it comes down to. I have know? the same problem, so I don't know. I think it could be that, but I feel like I'm very disciplined. You know, mm. or I I get a I get more work done than I than anybody I know really. Um, well, there's always always somebody that's doing more work than me, but the general person isn't staying up until three or four to make sure that the quality's there. You know what I mean? And uh, maybe that, does that mean that I think that I'm working harder? I don't know. But I have that same kind of issue where I think, um, you know, it's it's challenging. It's challenging to find your spectrum, I suppose, you know, and see where, I don't know what I'm getting at, but I, I know I've, I'm right there with what you're saying. I feel very similar um, with just... So the aspects of getting things done or, or I wish I could be like a guy that could just go in and be like, all right, I'm going to do this, this and that. But it's weird when I go to create something, it takes so much to create it. When it, when I want to make gold, I have to like really dig in there. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, and I guess it's all, it's sometimes it comes really quickly and sometimes it doesn't. And it's, I think usually it's just a matter of like how well balanced life is. And the problem with that is um, the inconsistencies, you know, like we we're talking about and, when you're inconsistent, then you have to deal with like lack of sleep, and then you're all diva out and s sassy to everybody. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> diva no, princess. I hear you. I hear you. Yes. Um, so, how do these like um, problems show up for you? Like, you do you feel going into something, you have an idea of the amount of time it's going to take and what it's going to require of you, and and how you're going to at least like 
approach it and 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 then that changes once you get into it like what happens for you usually i'm sure it's different every time but yeah you know how it is with projects they're, they're like um relationships you know every every project uh has its own thing that's going to blindside you um whether it goes better than you thought or goes worse um but I think, yeah, I think it's usually about time. It's like allowing the right amount of time. For me, uh, I'm just, I like, I like try to squeeze every ounce of my day out. You know, like if, if I didn't work my ass off and accomplish a lot of things in a day, I just feel worthless. And so in order for me to be happy and, and, and sane with whatever it is that I'm doing, I feel that I have to, um, have to really set the goals and accomplish them every day. So it's a little bit challenging um, to find that balance. And I'm not trying to figure out, um, how to manage those expectations, you know, so it, it's, it's not, so I don't become self-defeating and self-loathing. Is that what it is? Like hate, hating myself because I wasn't not accomplishing in what I, what I need to do, but it's usually just a matter of time management. You know, it's a matter of giving myself enough time and balancing that out with everything else, you know, not just time for myself to create, but also time for myself to be like attentive and, and around when I have family around and all that kind of stuff. So that I'm not dealing with my, my wife being upset and those kind of things, you know, because yeah. it's, it's, it's really challenging to be married to people like us. I would imagine if they're not creative themselves, cause it's a, it's a very selfish thing, I think. Oh God, I sympathize. I, I, I feel the <laughs> same way. I mean, I, I, sometimes I wonder, Oh Jesus, my wife, really putting up with a lot of crap from me <laughs> that, that's absolutely true i've had the same thought like man it must be a fucking pain in the ass to be married to me <laughs> it's <laughs> challenging just, yeah is does your wife is she in the creative field at all uh no she's not no yeah i have the same thing we're a bit opposite yeah she's so a nurse so okay yeah well, my wife's like financial stuff so i think the contrast between those two things between what we do every day, which is almost self-reflection to a weird way, constant self-reflection, <laughs> I guess. That's definitely an element of it. But I want to have a question for you before I forget. Sure. Okay, yeah, so this is funny. It's like uh, you're interviewing me. I'm supposed to be interviewing you. <laughs> no, it's not an interview. I mean, that's what I like. It's kind of a conversation. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm just fucking with you. No, please uh, go ahead. Uh, so okay, so. Where do these goals that the, the goals that you set for yourself? Mm -hmm. um, how do you arrive at them? Is it is it strictly something? Is it, is it strictly something that usually comes that is imposed on you by some kind of a deadline from the outside, or is it more like like a goal that you've set for yourself that you've like? How do you determine? Um, you know, when someone gives you a deadline, the time frame is easy to determine. It's it's imposed on you. But when on stuff that is not imposed on you the stuff that you're working on for yourself how do you determine your goals how do, how do how do you arrive at your goals you want to know my system i have a total system you oh want you have a system for this okay now i have a yeah. system yeah um, out of paper here i have two books um for you and anybody that's listening that wants a system towards a better success rate of accomplishing your goals there's these two books there's one called manage your day-to-day Everybody that listens to this podcast knows I've mentioned this quite a bit. It's a really phenomenal resource. Um, so manage your day-to-day -day is one. And uh, 
Eat That Frog, I think it's oh, called. Oh, the frog book. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I've heard of those. Yeah. So these are two books. Yeah, I'm glad you heard about it. Those On are your two... podcast. Yes, it's perfect. It's 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 and I got this from my buddy Anthony and uh, yeah, there's there's quite a few other books, but what 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 I've done is I've um I I never was raised with all these kind of things. These are tools. These are uh these are, um, you know, like these are elements of your of your life that if you can use them, this is why I love books. They can really um, be huge tools for your success in life. So, I um, so I take all these elements from all these books. I even have like Bruce Lee's uh, The Warrior Within, like all these things. I'm I'm gonna start reading this book called Mastery, which is about kind of mastering things and understanding what it takes to master things and all that kind of stuff. So, so basically my system right now is distilled from a lot of these books that I have that are kind of just advice or things from successful people. And this, this works for me and it might not work for everybody else. So I'm just going to say it and kind of, you know, try it with your own self. And if, the, yes. if it works, it works. But so, so goals, setting goals and accomplishing them. Um, so, right now like this is a good example is 2015 is upon us i don't really acknowledge like the years necessarily because every month every month or every three months is like a year for me so i treat like three months of my life as like a normal person's year i try to cram that much into my life so that i've accomplished that much like i want to I'm, I'm trying to burn it up basically and so um i'm almost like acting like i'm dying or something yes <laughs> it's probably we are. yeah well, we are we are and i think if you're if you acknowledge the power that death has above us and not in a morbid way but in a way of um urgency exactly. yeah well I, i've lost a couple really close people to me at a, at a young age and so i think that it, it opened my eyes to the fact that i'm on borrowed time and it's you know if i want to get shit done i better get it done fast you know and uh or just focus on getting things done. So I'm all about prioritizing and trying to figure things out. And uh, it's not; it doesn't always work. It can be very challenging. So, so for example, like um, 2015 is coming up. Uh, already, like last month, I started writing out just rough ideas of what I need to take care of for 2015. Some are small. Some are already planned out. Like I'm going to Tokyo um, to speak in February. So that's already. That's, but that's part of my, like, one of my goals in life is to go to Japan. So that's already in the list there. But that's already set up. Like, I have the tickets and everything's ready to go. So that's already in there. But I also have, like, ambitions to work with certain people. And I want to figure out a way of making that happen. Or a uh, finished Lost Boy book, basically. That, that book has to be done by next year. Like, it, that's my goal. And so there's all these different things. So so I, I have these abstract wants and desires, right? It's like I'm telling my mom... Hey, this is what I want for Christmas as a kid, right. but I'm telling myself this, so I'm kind of like asking myself this out of life. So, so I take all these, take all my abstract goals, and they're like Christmas gifts that I'd like. There are these abstract ideas, and then I break them down into manifestations of un, like how I can actually obtain them, which comes down like you take it from the year long, you break it down to the three month, then you break it down to the month, then you break it down into the day. And so you take you you kind of go reversed. So if I want to finish Lost Boy book, I got to figure out well what's that book? What is that look book look like? You know, manifest it, visualize it. What is it? Is it is it 200 pages? Is it 500 pages? What does it look like in your head? Like how are you going to print it? Who's going to print it? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? There's all these details and reaching out to all these people. So breaking down that big goal into all these small bite-sized pieces and then putting them into your weekly or your daily. Um, before you know it, you're already there. So I have a big abstract goal and then I break it down to, abs to small bite-sized pieces. Um, 
So right now I'm going to try and work on my three month goal list, which I already have that. And I have, I write out my three month goal line, um, on my monitor. I just put it right next to my monitor. I just glue it on there cause I work all digitally. So I have like the Cintiq and everything. And so I have my three month and then I also have my month and then I do my days and I write my day list the night before. And this might sound really exhausting and and, and to be completely honest, before I did all this stuff, I was a big mess. I was all over the place. I almost had a, um, what do you call that, anxiety attack or something like that, where I just I had a breakdown, like a, a, a me- like a, like a mental breakdown, because I had so much going on in my head. So getting it all out of my head really helped. And so, so every every night, um, almost every night before I go to bed, I mean, you know, almost every night I do this. Uh, it's like a ritual now. Unless I fall asleep on the couch after eating and because I get food coma and then I wake up in the middle of the night and I just go back to sleep. Um, but um, so every night I'll sit there in bed and this this is something I learned from my friend Vitaly who I did a podcast with. It was a very powerful podcast because he's a powerful dude and he has some really great advice about all this stuff. He's the one that turned me on to eat that frog as well, I think. Um, but um, so every night before I go to sleep, I write out shot for shot what needs to happen the next day and I kind of break it down into bite-sized pieces whether it be like you know drop off my daughter to school and then jujitsu and then I and then I write out everything that I needed to accomplish the next day and then I then I prioritize those things based off of an A to E priority of A being the most important B C D and E and E is just something you just don't need to do and uh, A and B, you should always try to accomplish. C is if you can. And then D, it's like you should maybe have somebody else help you with it or not do it at all. So I break it down into priority like that. And then I also write out the timeline that I should be getting these things done. Like, So if I drop off my daughter, it's from I got to get up at 7.30. And I got to drop her off and make sure she's at school by 8.30. Then I got to be at jujitsu at 8.30 to 10, 10.30. And then I start working at 11.00. And then I make sure I fit in all the work I need to take care of and, and then anything else. And then if I want to try and do anything else on top of that, I fit that in as well. Um, there's always something family oriented that I need to figure out and put in there as well. And then also podcasts. And so I write it all out. And so the, the night before, I, I already have it kind of mental picture of what I need to do. And then the next day I get up and uh, just accomplish it as best I can. Um, and it feels good at the end of the day. I, and even in my book, I have this book, basically I write it all down. So I have a physical copy cause it, it feels gratifying to physically write these things off. And I've had a pretty crazy filled life so far by doing this. And, um, it's not for everybody. Um, it's for me because I think I have a family and I run a business basically, which is myself and I work for top clients and it's a lot of pressure. And so I have to make sure that everything is lined up so that I can execute things properly. So, but it's been the success rate on this has been significant. I've, I've really been able to accomplish some really great things by implementing all these techniques. And so manifestation, breaking it down to bite-sized pieces, breaking it down into a daily um, regiment um, manifestation. And then also one of the things that I have to, I've been having a hard time with, but is big in these like, and eat that frog is like making one of your things, your key, most important, hard thing to do and, and tackle that in the beginning. And I'm a little slow starter. Like I don't like to get up and just start punching the punching bag right away. Like I like to chill and, you know, relax a little bit and enter the world a little bit chiller. So I have a little harder time with the, that approach, but 
that's kind of how I break it down. And before I know it, like with Lost Boy, I would just write out all these things that I wanted to do. And uh, I was like, okay, well, as long as I give myself one to two hours a day, I would get better at art because I just was doing it just to get better at drawing because I hadn't I hadn't drawn for years. And so I was like, okay, I'll just get better at art if I draw every day for at least an hour. And before the year's up, I had drawn, you know, like 300 pictures or something like that. I'm like, okay, cool. And now it's like, now I want to create these other things. And now the comic stuff comes in. So it's a whole different dynamic. So, How long have you been implementing this system? Um, I've been working with this. Uh, let's see. I'm looking at my book right now. I think... Um, Probably since after I spoke with Vitaly, so that's like last, no, like six months ago. It's working good. I think is, is a lot of this from Eat That Frog or Manage Your Day to Day? Or? Yeah, it's it's a bit of both of those. Those yeah. are two real dominant books. Those are books that I've um, pulled a lot of advice from, and I've really focused myself um, on these kind of tips and tricks and stuff from these successful people or these people that are kind of figured out their own thing. I mean, advice is a really weird thing. I always feel weird with giving advice to anybody because I feel like I still don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So like, what am I doing giving advice out? But this is just what works for me. So I guess as long as I make that disclaimer, I don't, I don't get stuck with uh, people getting upset, but that's, uh, I've been using it for about, um, yeah, about two, no, about six, six to eight months. And, um, yeah, I'm accomplishing probably I'm probably 50% more efficient to be completely honest. I think That's I'm same. Yeah, I'm I'm accomplishing like I'm able to do like three jobs at the same time. Like I'm able to just power through tons of stuff. But it's so, really taxing though to be to be honest. It's really taxing. Yeah. Well, it's just taxing because one moment you'll be I'll be working on some kind of like science fiction film and then I have to jump away and go do this thing that's completely opposite to that and then i got to do this other thing that's opposite to that and so my mind um is it's almost i would imagine like when mobius is drawing uh the two different styles you know and Uh having to do them repetitively in the same day and back and forth it's like wait who am i what is this all right and then and then a lot of the the stuff that i do is problem solving so the director will be confused and confused, confusing about whatever the hell they're doing, and they want to confuse me too. And so they'll give me weird ass briefs about just random madness, and I have to figure out like how this all works. <laughs> yeah. And so that's part of my project. That's part of my job. So is helping directors and 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 their staff and all these people, you know, with whatever large, they're trying to find. A large part of your sorry to interrupt you. No, no, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. Um, another question. A, a large part of your um day-to-day uh is is um involves communicating with people with either directors or people on your team or other teams or so there's a lot of sort of communication verbally right that goes on yeah it's when it comes to client work it's there's a tremendous amount because it's usually uh, a group of people um Mm -hmm. because it'll my role now has changed a lot. What I do now is more or less like an idea person that executes ideas um, as a designer or a visual kind of conceptual artist, I suppose, but in a really interesting facet. So it's all about taking those ideas and saying, okay, this does this and that does that. And and then um, now we're in the digital age. There's so much, there's so much power. Like with the Ghost in the Shell thing, there was 
we did that. It took like a year to do that. It was so much work. It was, it was I would never have done it if I knew how much work it was going to be. Was this a film that you did? It was. Um, this this is an, an homage to Ghost in the Shell, and we we recreated about forty different shots from the original title sequence to the film, or to the anime. And uh, yeah, it was it was a very big deal. But the biggest thing I think is because um, the communication, and it was all about communicating with all these people. A lot of them I had never met in person. Actually, I didn't even know before this. So communicating with them and also from around the world and so the project never slept it was just, it was a really crazy project but yeah it's a lot of its communication it's complete opposite to lost boy and i guess that's why i like doing the lost boy stuff because it's usually just me by myself and i'm it's quiet and i do it at night so it's like i'm alone and i can just focus on that and kind of veg out and not think about anything except i'm just making like a cool image and i guess that's probably why it's only become those images because I'm too exhausted to think about anything else, you know. So, I, so with crossboy stuff, you kind of you you get to a point where you sort of are sort of allowing something to sort of speak through you, and 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 not really necessarily kind of plan what you're going to do or or having uh it's sort of more of a an exercise for you and and like seeing what comes out of you yeah that's a pretty much exactly it yeah i didn't think about it like that but when you when you say it and i listen to that that sounds exactly like what it is (laughs) it's just a passage you know passageway to like the child self i guess so when you sit down to work on excuse me when you sit down to work on on the lost boy stuff uh, do you find that um, that a lot of the same stuff comes up for you, uh, or do you find that that there's uh, uh, a sequence that you can follow? Like, is it does it feel like it's leading somewhere for you uh, um, without getting too heady about it? Does it feel to you like it's leading somewhere, or or is it something that you just feel? is almost like lives and dies each day and then lives again the next day. Um, yes and no. I think there's this weird thing. I, I guess I equate it to when I read when Mike Mignola discovered Hellboy, it was very similar, I think, where he was just doing other people's stuff and then he just drew this little doodle and he liked it enough to continue it and that's all he wanted to draw and then he would create the monsters in that world. I think it's very much the same thing where... I, I, I don't know why I draw them, but I think it's just um, I love just finding different forms and shapes and, and, and I'm trying to work on like energy and fo- form and pose and dimension and, 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 and composition and, and those things. So each one is an exercise in, in learning those things and, 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 and applying those. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I Hopefully, I, I guess that might have answered your question, but I think... Uh, I think it's just a journey for me. It's just a journey to find yeah. these different things. And it's just kind of comes about, you know, just kind of, yeah, I think there's a surface, you know, and I think, I guess it's like when Todd discovered spawn, you know, it's like, I don't know if, I don't know these guys, I don't know their exact thing, but the, when I hear them talk about it and then read the interviews, I can really relate with that idea. But the thing is, those guys have already figured out how to create like a comic and a franchise and build out from it. I feel like I'm right there at the beginning of, Oh, this is fun. Like, but I now I have like 500 drawings. So I'm like, what do I do with these? <laughs> but, so but, f- figuring that out. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
no, no, that's, I'm just, I'm, that's, now it's just a matter of figuring those things out and, you know, what to do with these things and who to let in to, to help and how to help and all those kind of things. Cause I, we're going to probably, I'm going to probably be collaborating uh, with my friend Robert to do some of the comics cause he's just a wicked artist. And um, I think it, I think it's going to really help the project. And then now I'm learning about like, sharing and releasing these things and and uh something and that's a lot of fun too and also can be scary you know mm. <laughs> not scary not not because i don't trust anybody it's just you know these to, to these things can be sometimes very personal without realizing it you know yeah and uh yeah i don't know it's weird i, I just feel like um when i was young i used to play with, like gi joes and I had this crazy imagination i still do kind of but um I think it's just like one of those things is kind of, I don't know. It's hard to, to really put my finger on, but I'm just having fun. I'm just being a kid. This reminds me of being a kid and having fun. And and uh, if all, all day I'm busy having to be an adult or push these things out and forcefully, um, it's nice just to kind of unwind. It's like a glass of wine, I guess. <laughs> a glass of artistic wine. When I, You know, when I hear you like talking about this, yeah. here, I'm going to tell you what I hear. I hear um, uh, you trying to, like, working towards um, trying to reconcile something that's very personal and and uh, um, visceral for you mm. with with something that is um, on the other side of the coin, very um, uh, planned out and deliberate um so you have this this here's what i hear that you have this process that you're going through where you're making these drawings and you're um working on a story um but on the other hand you have this intention of like um marketing it somehow or making turning it into a you know a franchise or a you know a, a property an intellectual property so those are I, I feel are two very opposite sort of um magnetic forces almost yeah <laughs> they know? are they um, totally are trying to kind of reconcile you're almost you had these two things like that you're um contending with um and you're arriving and i guess at some point you will reconcile those two things who knows where it's going to lead yeah you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think part of me, and I don't know if it's an intentional thing. I just, because, um, and I remember Todd saying something about this, like, I just want to make the toys that I want, want to have, you know? And, um, so when I draw these things, I just see them three dimensional and I also see them in, in films and I already see the story and it. I just want to see it, um, happening. I just want to see it, you know? And, um, for me, I think it comes from that pure sense of just wanting to create something. Um, like Kevin Eastman and the other dude that created Ninja Turtles, they were just really riffing off of what Miller was doing with Daredevil and a couple other inspirations. Yeah. And Ninja Turtles came about. And I don't think that when they did it, I doubt it, especially when you see the drawings, that they were just having fun. And that how you know that turned into a billion-dollar industry. You know, And I don't think that's necessarily my intention because i don't think it's good to necessarily linger those two together um it is it works um but money and art i think sometimes they you got to be cautious like you think it's all about decision making 
like today, for example, I just finished listening to Steve Jobs' um, biography. Finally, like I was talking about it, and I finally yeah. finished it um, later on today. And um, it was interesting. The last kind of line that Steve left um, on the thing was was he said, and I felt I felt I really it really resonated with me, and I felt really connected to it. Was that he never really his his intention was was never to make more money. It was about making a better product. Yes. And by having that intention, it just, it might sound like, you know, you know, if I say I want to make a lot of money or I want to make good products, they, they might kind of sound blindly the same thing. But when you break it down to every step of your journey, they're completely, they set you in different trajectories completely. Absolutely. And so what, what I really admire and love, and that's what I really want to do no matter what is just really create amazing content or just something fucking awesome something that I would approve of and like, yes. and I would be down to spend 50 bucks for, you know, because if I'm down to spend that much money, then I'm sure other people will, you know, and being realistic about that or, yes. or $10 or whatever it might be, you know, and the, that's all the business part. But the, I, what I'm saying is the intention of those actions and what those, um, become. And so just being cautious of those steps basically, and, and not trying to sell myself short by trying to be like, I want to make a franchise or I want to make toys. And because I think that, um, if you do that, if you, if you, if you cave to those, those whims too fast, I feel that you can, it really will eat, eat your soul up a little bit too fast, you know? Oh, don't get me wrong. I, I, I what I meant when I said a uh, franchise, maybe I, I, I misspoke. I, 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 I don't have the impression that your intention is to make a million dollars. I don't feel that, that it's about money. Um, but when you say, um, uh, well, like the Steve Jobs example, to create a good product, um, that, that I think is really open to like interpretation. Like sure. what is a good product, you know? Um, it's, so, it's all a, beauty is an eye of the beholder, you know? Yeah. And I think as long as you know, it's that possession, you know, it's like you don't yes. go to sleep until that product's right, you know? Right, yeah. right. You will know. No one else can tell you. Of course, yeah, because you're the creator. And yeah. uh, there's a lot of really great advice in that book. He, there's also people, he also he brought up Henry Ford and he said, you know, people complain and say, you know, you got to listen to your customers. And he said, what the fuck? You know, like you think when Henry Ford said he had, if he was going to listen to his his audience they would have said they wanted a faster horse they didn't know what the fucking automobile was you can't you can't you have to sell people what they don't know they need you know and and uh that sounds that might sound tricky and all that stuff but that's that's i mean for me as i'm a fan of apple stuff and i'm a fan of what steve and those guys have done even though there's a lot of bullshit and stuff i mean you gotta you gotta break some eggs to make an omelet and that sounds really harsh and that's very kind of you know, I'm just smoothing over a lot of bullshit that, you know, I'm trying not to be, it's a, there's some very sensitive things basically around their success that, um, shouldn't be overlooked. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's just a part of progress, you know? And, um, I don't know where I'm getting at with this, but I, I just, I find it fascinating with these kind of things. And I feel that there's a lot of growth that can happen. There's a lot of things that can happen. Um, if you know what your trajectory is and I think it's all, and I, and I look at like, for example, we talked about, you know, planning and goals. And I look at what I imagine Steve Jobs' day must have been like each day when he was really busy running Pixar and, um, and Apple. And I think to myself, well, it, I got to think of myself almost as successful and the same. That's the only way to do it, you know? 
And if you don't, if you don't project yourself in that nature, then um, you might be missing out on something, you know. And that sounds crazy to most probably, but perhaps I'll listen to this down the road and go, well, you know, I'm 10 years away, I've figured it out. I'm at least closer to where I wanted to be, you know. And, um, and I think it comes from manifestation of thought. And as artists, I think that you and I can both agree that when ideas or serendipity and all those kind of things kind of happen, they happen based off of your intention, you know. And if your intention is pure and it's right and it's solid, um, you're going to make some badass stuff, you know. It's, it's true. It's true. Um, it, yeah, it is true. Uh, you know, I think that, like, like we can get into, like, this, um, I guess one of the oldest or maybe one of the, the, the most talked about, um, uh, uh, conflicts in, in, as far as art, you know, which is like the, the, the struggle between product and process. And, and I think that we're kind of like, 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 uh, really talking about that, um, in a way, um, and you know, I I have a lot of questions about that, and and you know, there are times when I wonder, like, you know, the product will be the result of of what I need to focus on is my process, and this is almost like kind of a romantic idea that you know, process is the way, and if I focus on my process and I'm true to my process. The product will happen um, almost like I, I don't remember where I heard it by divine accident almost. Mm. I don't remember where I picked that up. But uh, so it just really is the result of your process. And, and I need to let go of thinking about my product before I begin, you know, and letting that determine, you know, my process. Um, uh, you know, product can, can, can take over. Um, and so... So, you know, this is a, I think, I think those are two polarities, you know, and, and joining them together, it takes a lot of effort, but when you join those polarities together, you get an interesting alchemy that occurs. And I think that when you combine certain aspects of these things, you get a very unique outcome. And but they're inevitably joined. I mean, they're, they're, they're joined whether we like it or not. Yes. Um, well, it's and, the duality of things, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the black and white duality of things. But when, you, yeah. when you're right on the, the edge of the yin-yang, the balancing of between the two, in the gray zone, I suppose, uh, between the both of them, I think that's, that's the riff, you know, that's the ride. Yeah. It's, yeah. uh, it's a very complex thing. It's a, and, and it's, it's amazing when you see glimpses of creatives that get on those riffs and they manage to push it out in order for people to see it happen. You know, when we only get a glimpse of that every once in a while, you know. Yeah, it, it's difficult to say because I think none of us can walk in the other one's shoes. So like where true. I was going with that is like there's an idea that I have that I'm not sure if it's true or not, that that the product will speak to people and somehow if the process is pure, the product just by, by default will attract people. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. You know, that's sort of an idea that I have. You I know? think it is. Uh, I think that it's, it's like I mentioned, I think that this stuff is a language and I think that, um, I mean, that's, I think if it's really is pure and it really is, is right and it comes from a good spot, people feel that. 
uh, I think there's an invisible language that's in art um, that we feel rather than see or, yes. and it's, I, I equated it. I remember talking, I had a really deep talk with one of my best friends a long time ago, Nate, who does really amazing paintings and he was struggling with some things and, and I was telling him like something that my brother had taught me. He said, no matter what you do in life, just do it the best that you can because no matter what, people will recognize you for that because people, under they recognize ex, uh, exceptional talent or whatever it is and you can see it now with all the YouTube celebrities and stuff. Like a lot of these people would never be successful necessarily and have the uh, the exposure w- had it not be for YouTube or something and people that maybe that they're doing some kind of cool dance routine or a scene or something like that but the the resonance of whatever that thing is that they're doing um connects with others you know yeah and if you can ride that riff and so what I, so like it's like looking at a Rembrandt piece if you look at Rembrandt's first piece that he'd ever done he's still young he hasn't lived the life of pain and all these things that when you when you look at one of his near-death uh, portraits you feel the pain you see all these intentions in the in the work you know and it's an unconscious connection that you have or you you acknowledge and 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 and, and look in awe of michelangelo's ability to sculpt you know and an ability to see form out of you know like how you would say he would already see the form and beneath it you know and 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 that just comes with time you know uh, dedication to the craft of whatever it is that you're that he's doing but um i think that there is i really do I, and i've i've actually felt it pretty strongly with this project it's it seems like nat it's naturally uh attracting a lot of people's attention and their energy towards it i think it's connecting with a lot of nostalgia or something you know but i don't know mm. but it seems to be i'm having fun and i think that that comes well, across you know yeah that's that's what that's at the end of the day, the only thing you can follow, you know, keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It. That's, that's there for a reason, you know, you're enjoying it for a reason. Yes. And let's not try and maybe figure out what that reason is. Just keep doing it. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm, I am, that's, see, that's where I get con- countering. I counter myself where I go, okay, now like I need to plan all these things out. But at the same time, part of me is like, no, no, just play, have fun. Just play in the sandbox, you know, and just relax. And, um, but part of me is like, well, every day I have to have this stuff done. And right. I was getting in a bit of a depression from it. And I, I actually stopped drawing for two and a half weeks or so. It was the biggest, longest break I've ever taken when I was doing it. And I, and I, what happened is I was taking it too seriously. And I was treating it like work. And my body and my mind is like, no, fuck that. Like, you already do, you know, 14, 15 hours a day of that stuff. Like, let's have more fun. Like, you know, let's do this just for fun. And okay, you might not be the best illustrator, or artist, or you can't do comics just yet, but just have fun with it. It'll it'll make itself manifest. It might take it might take a couple years, but when it does, it'll drop and it'll be something special for you know whatever it is you know. Or maybe it will never be anything. Maybe I just ex- experience like the little bit of awesome praise that I get from friends and family and the select strangers that get to see it and stuff. You know. You know, I I I, I commend you. I think that's very um, um, insightful of you. To, to sort of recognize that that you're trying to force or push it in a certain direction and trying to almost box it, yeah, you know, and 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 that you're sort of able to, okay, just relax into it more and just see where it goes. I really, I I think that's very very uh, insightful. I think that's good. <laughs> no, do you have? Do you find so? Do you get time? Do you make time for yourself and your own personal stuff? 
Um, no, you don't, I don't do it. I know. I, I uh, for for a long, long time, I've 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 tried to um, make the work that I do on a daily basis as personal as possible for me. Okay. Um, even though what I'm doing is usually working from someone else's story, the act of making the stuff for me is very personal. Mm. Um, and so, uh, that's, I've been on that for, for a long time. Uh, and, uh, and, and I continue to sort of, you know, treat what I do that way. Um, however, I, 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 I do feel myself wanting to, 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 uh, expand and maybe try uh, try to write an approach to writing i mean I, i'm not kidding myself and you know thinking that i'm some kind of a writer but i am a storyteller um so you know the idea of, of creating my own stories is something that that i need to i need to act on because this is why i'm curious about your um yeah there's your, a curiousness that comes goals. from you yeah you know, um, because, um, you know, it, it, we can talk about it and think about it, you know, all day, but until we take action, it's all, you know, that's, that's when the game really begins. You know, we can talk about drawing all day, but until you start drawing, then all bets are off, you know? Yes. Um, so that's why it's very important uh, to act, you know, you must exactly, act. Yeah. Right. Even if you're acting and then you know, you end up, like you said, you end up, who knows where it's going to go. You end up changing it or, you know, it, maybe it has a certain life and, and, and you move on to something else. You never know. You know, I think that part of it is, you know, I think part of what, what sometimes holds me back is this idea that like, like I know where this is going to lead. Um, I think sometimes that's an illusion, you know, um, and I sort of have to sort of remember that honestly, I really don't know. <laughs> and yeah. accept that you know that's why i'm saying that's very insightful of you to kind of um recognize that you know there's a part of you that was trying to sort of uh control the outcome and and be the author of it you know and and you know you can accept the fact that maybe i don't know you know and that's that's a kind of a scary place to be also you know? Yeah, because well, I yeah, absolutely, and I think I've come I came to that after a disillusional like depression, a slight slight break of it, and a wake up call basically, like oh, I'm not having fun doing this anymore. Okay, well, what's the formula? What what's missing? Oh, this isn't fun anymore. Okay, what does this remind me of? Well, it's just like client work now. Okay, well, and it's not like I don't have fun at client work lately. It's been harder uh, ever, ever ever since I started realizing the, my own potential. I've had a harder time giving that energy to to clients and stuff because I've I just found that I'd rather work on my own things due to control and oh, the, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, as soon as I realized that, I didn't want to. It wasn't like I was trying to be selfish, and it's not like when I work for clients, I still bust my ass, and I do I do badass work the best that I can. But it's 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 not like I did when I first started when I would kill myself for it. You know, I, I still work very hard, but I don't, and I respect it because I charge, and I want to make sure that I earn whatever I'm charging. But at the same time, um, when I work on my own stuff, I feel it's much more me, and that stream of of thought is I give myself more basically. 
Um, and so I, I felt like I was just missing my own rhythm, I suppose, you know, and I think it's really important to listen to yourself, you know, if, if, if you're doing something and like, uh, even another thing from Steve Jobs saying, and I'm going to bring up a lot of stuff because I was just kind of consuming him his whole life for, uh, two weeks or so, you know, yeah. I basically consumed one of the most powerful men on the earth business wise. I, <laughs> for his whole life, I consumed it in like two and a half weeks. It's like the most amazing thing. I fucking love books. It's so awesome. <laughs> and so I'm, it's all in my head and I'm just getting, you know, influenced by it, but at the same time, very cautious of the steps and the maneuvers and things that he did. You know, he never once mentioned that his greatest success was his family, but he did love his family. Those kind of things, you know, like at what point do you feel like, is it okay to be that person and at what cost those things make, you know? Um, and so, um, I lost my train of thought here, but I just, I don't know. It's, it's just crazy, you know, having your goals and your intentions and getting lost within them and, and, and making, making your own personal time for yourself and the sacrifices that that means and how to do it, you know? And I don't know. I just feel possessed though. We're talking about how, how, since you've been doing your personal work, it's changed your approach to your client work. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. When I like, I what I what I mean is is so you're talking about writing, and 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 it's funny because I've heard myself say the exact same thing as you, but I'm actually writing a film right now, and so I feel for me in life, it's like it's so fun just to try different challenges, mm-hmm. and 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 I surround myself with people that are doing similar things too, which I think really helps. Like my buddy Anthony is he's he's doing a lot of that stuff, and he just got signed on to do a to direct his first big feature film studio label and everything. And it's just really awesome. But I realize deep down, it's just the choices that you make and every day that the choices that you make, whatever it is. And, and, um, it's, I think those just break down to whatever you're interested in, you know, and those break down to the day to day. And so even when I was writing out uh, the film, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to split up my time with lost boy on that too, because I'm having fun just writing. So I'll just listen to a bunch of classical music and I'll just write for like two hours or an hour or 30 minutes or 15 minutes and then go back to client work or whatever family stuff and, or lost boy stuff. And it was a nice break from lost boy stuff too, because it was a different medium and a different exploration, you know? So but I, I think it's important. I think as an artist, as a creative person, it's important to, to try different things, you know? Yes, but, yes. But at the same time, I'm always reminded of this quote that always gets at me every time I don't do everything really good. It's like, it'd be a jack of all trades and a master of none. And part of me is like that guy that you're envying in the beginning of our talk about, like, or just a little bit ago about the guy that can just go in, clock in, fucking mash out a bunch of stuff. And, and clock out, you know? Yeah. And uh, I wish I could be like that, but it just doesn't work like that for me. Um, yeah. And I, I think it is a discipline issue for me. I don't have that discipline just yet. Um, I'm just too spazzy, I guess. I don't know. It's weird. And maybe if I was in the right environment, you know, maybe if I worked at a... And these are just maybe excuses or just the ambiguous unknowns, but maybe if I worked at a company like Pixar, for example, and I was surrounded by all these people that were pushing me all the time and I was in that element... Because it would be really cool. I, I bet that would be a really interesting experience, you know. And yeah. perhaps by being in that environment, because I've heard really great things about the working aesthetic and when set up for those guys, you know. And and I'm just I'm just riffing off an idea, and I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe it's hell to work there. I have no clue. But um, <laughs> it, it could be, you know. It could be. But that's yeah. also for the person. The person might not might be one of us and not want right, to right. be like that, you know, like working with right. a bunch of people, criticizing their work and pulling it to pieces and rebuilding and stuff. So, which is all very personal, you know. So, but 
Yeah, it's it the client work and all that stuff is really has really uh, shifted. And what it is is I just realized that I'm more of a priority. I realized my own self worth. And when I once I did that, I couldn't go back. And it was kind of a it was kind of an uh, aha moment. But it was at the same time it was like oh shit moment. Like because the next step is as we all know is you have to f- believe in yourself enough to to tread water enough to make your own way. It's yes. uh, it's like that quote. Um, there's this movie. I love this movie. It's Catch Me If You Can uh, with DiCaprio. And, um, you know, I've never seen that. It's a fucking fantastic film. It's really Great wonderful. Great title sequence. Oh, amazing title sequence. One of the best. It's been ripped off and used many times since then. Really great example of, of a title that works and the music's perfect. It was just a... Yeah, so if you like the title sequence, the movie is just as good as that title sequence. But well, That's Spielberg, right? Yeah, yeah. Spielberg's yeah. fantastic, man. Like, yeah. anybody that hates on him, I mean, of course, he doesn't make classics all the time. But damn, dude, the guy's... He's a he's a definite hero of mine. Uh, the guy's dude. The guy made ET, you know, the Jurassic Park, and all these things. You know, it's like amazing. But um, yeah, I don't know. Um, there's a quote from that that I wanted to use, but I don't want to say it because I want you to. It's a part of the film, and I don't want to oh, mess it up. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it. But it, definitely check it out and let me know what you think of it because it's one of those films that if it's on or if I want to watch it, I'll just. It's one of those films, you know. It's just like let's watch this film. It's that good. It's always like a great watch. It's a heavy film, a lot of great bits and unbelievable moments to it. Cool. But, um, yeah, but I think understanding your self-worth, you know, and I think to myself, like, would Spielberg, um, and this is kind of, maybe this is me being too crazy, but, like, would it be like, well, well, what would Spielberg do? Would Spielberg do this? And, you know, it's like, what would Jesus do? Like, I'm getting to that point where, you know, it's like this, uh, what do you call that? It's like a pathological journey of, of trying to see what other people do and just and not having an understanding of what those people are and what they do, but only seeing the outside and not understanding all those other details, you know, because we're all humans and it's, it's challenging. Life is challenging. The creative journey is challenging. Be successful is challenging. Be successful at just one aspect of your life is challenging. So it's hard to tell what that person would do, but I base it off of like my understanding and the education that I've gotten about studying these people and the decisions that they've made to make them who they are, you know? And yes. uh, yeah, it's fascinating shit though. I love studying people. This is, we're all kind of similar in a way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm running on all kinds of weird tangents. Sorry. No, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I, um, it reminds me of, uh, have you seen that film? Uh, it, I think it's on YouTube or something called Stanley Kubrick's boxes. Yes. I have seen parts of it. That's, uh, that's- that reminds me a little bit of that, just that that sort of glimpse into that guy's um, character and personality, you know? Yeah, I've done a lot of studying of him. He's a very interesting guy. Yeah. He's got a bit of uh, Asperger's and stuff, I think. He's got some kind of really interesting things going on. Uh, the, his, his, his relentless attention to detail is very similar to Steve Jobs. Um, mm. Yeah, and yeah, it's interesting. It's almost like they're tortured by themselves, you know? I got I got to check out this Jobs uh, book. You Is have that to. With audio. Yeah. yeah, it's on audio. Uh, Audible.com has it. It's oh, yeah. it's it's. I think you're really gonna love it. I think it. I think anybody out there that you, you don't have to be a Steve Jobs fan because the cool thing too is it's very honest. So 
it's not like Steve Jobs amazing and he's like yeah. Jesus. No, it's not like that at all. It's like yeah. if anything, it, it, every every couple pages or so, he's breaking out in tantrums and crying and freaking out and yelling at somebody. And like, did he write this or is this? No, it's, it was a it was a biography. So which is even better, you know. But it's right. it's a biography authorized and permitted by him. And the guy that wrote it was like very close with him at the end. But they're complete strangers prior. Okay. So it's 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 really unbiased, and even his wife was like, you know, I want you to write what we want you to write the truth. You know, um, there's no there's no skeletons in his closet. He's very personal and open, and uh, you know, let it be. You know, yes, yes. And I, it's just a, it's a wonderful uh, journey. Um, yeah, I, I like I said, I've I've been. I, I guess when I get into something, my wife is, knows this as well. It's like when I get into something, it's like that's it. I, want, I really want to figure it out, or or I'm really into something, I'll recommend it and stuff. And right now, it's I just finished it, and it's just a really amazing journal journey of a, a really in, interesting human being. Really, he, yeah. the, this same guy did a, a apparently a really great um, biography on Einstein, which I really want to read as well. Which I hear is really great. The the author, I think, it's like I forget. I don't want to say his name, but yeah, it's just. I think for these things, it's great to see these bell curve setters, you know, and kind of get a really good, honest glimpse. If anything, it made me realize, oh, okay, I'm like, I'm not that bad. I'm still human, and I'm able to do these things. And like, I don't know if I want to push myself that hard, you know. I don't know if I want to if I want to hurt that many people or whatever it might be. Mm. Or I don't know if I want to miss my my daughter's childhood, you know, stuff like that. You know? Right, right, yeah. Because it's all choices. How do you how do you manage it? How old is your daughter? My daughter just turned eleven. Oh, okay, so yeah, I have a nine year old. So we yeah. have they're 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 changing now. Yeah, they are. She's growing like a weed. Um, <laughs> man, she's tall. Man. Are you guys uh, close? Yes, yes, we are. That's um, good. Uh, yeah, it's um, either parents. Um. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, I got married about, um, what is it, 2000, almost 2015 now. So, shit, we've been married, uh, eight years. That's a long time. Um, I want to say eight, nine years. Jesus, my wife would kill me if she, (laughs) (laughs) don't let her, don't send her this podcast. a lack of sleep. Yeah. I do the same thing. It's, I think yeah. it might be an artist thing too. We'll just use that as a scapegoat. Yeah, yeah, I'm not good at math. <laughs> so, uh, so um, that was a radical change for me because you know up until then I, I I was always sort of and I'm still drawn to you know the night owl existence. You know, um, I used to always work at night um, or usually work at night, and 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 you know when you're living alone and, and you're you know, a single guy, you really don't have to answer to anybody and you, you, you don't really have those extra responsibilities, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember those days. Your bills, you know? Um, but, uh, but, you know, having a family requires you to sort of be there. And, and sometimes, you know, the job that we do, as you know, can be very demanding of our time and especially, you know, uh, when we're, um, so sort of emotionally invested in it, you know, yeah, um, it can, it can sort of, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm being pulled in two different directions. Oh, absolutely. Know? Yeah. Um, 
but again, it's it's you know I guess it comes down to time management and discipline, um, and uh, and so far so good. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's working out. Um, it's I'm not going to lie to you; it's still a struggle from time to time, especially when when deadlines are pressing and my hours become very unrealistic. You know, my wife gets on my case about losing sleep and mm-hmm. you know, um, and you know when you sort of. Uh, lose perspective and you're working on something and you're so involved in it and you lose perspective sometimes I uh, I can um, uh, uh, not have a sense of, of 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 how important something really is you know so you lose perspective you know and something that can really not be that big a deal can seem like a huge deal yes you know? and, and that that can be a little dangerous I think you can kind of uh a little crazy <laughs> <laughs> yes yes a very common thing i think to losing and un- misunderstanding perspective yeah yeah and that can be challenging and also the patience that you have to have did you marry into having your kid or what was the setup with that what do you mean did you guys did you are, is are you her biological dad oh no no yeah so i have the same uh, thing yeah. then yeah, yeah. It's and it's a because I was just trying to figure it out because you were, said you're single and then you jumped into having kind of a family situation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's admirable. Yeah, we've though. been together. We've been together since I was well, well for about ten or eleven years anyway. So you know, I've I've known her since she was a few months old. Okay, that's a big. That's a that's an admirable task because for the most part, a lot of people I think shy away from the responsibility of being a parent um, because it's not easy. But at the same time. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to take on, you know. I, I grew up just with raised by a single mom, and, and so I have a I have I guess for me I, I saw I saw my mom and almost in a sense, you know, I felt you know there it was challenging, you know, growing up without a complete family and, and all that kind of stuff. So I felt when I had met my wife, I felt compelled in a sense, you know, to to do something like that and so that's interesting it's cool yeah hmm. it's not a, it's not for everybody i think you know it's definitely uh because you're talking about being like the single guy and you just kind of you know dope to do like it's just party time and do whatever you want and but it, that lifestyle it has its ending you know it has it's not always the best thing you know and it could be unhealthy and stuff but the freedom is different too so but yeah yeah um yeah, it's uh, it's you know definitely more responsibility and uh, and and a rearrangement of priorities to a certain extent. You know, yeah, uh, it's it's you know again we get I think we kind of keep going back to like this balance of opposites because I think that attitude I was talking about before about losing perspective can be um, can be. Uh, a liability in a, in a in a relationship in a marriage in a family, whereas unfortunately I think it's a necessity. Um, in and you know you have to get there in in doing what we do. Um, you, you if you keep it all at arm's length, you'll never do anything good. Yeah. You know? Um, unless I guess somehow you're that guy who can go in and punch and do <laughs> his eight hours and then yeah. punch out and it's still awesome. Hey, you know, maybe that's just a different species. I don't understand it. Yeah. When there are people like that too. And yeah. And, like, and they're, and they're good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's power to them, man. It's cool. Yeah. Like, thanks for making me feel like shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
there's a lot of there's a lot of badasses like that out there but it's just i guess it's just different different flows different people different intentions and all that kind of stuff and it distills down to different different processes and just the things that people do everybody's got their own path and everybody's doing a different thing you know and and I think so maybe what we're talking about too is riffing off of like in what I was trying to make a, disc- a disclaimer is that I have my own life. I have a completely different life than anybody else in this world. And so when I give advice, it's mostly just just what works for me. And a vi- in the Vegas of forms, it will work for you if you try and you apply it to your own and readjust it. That's why I'm saying that I, I get inspired from from multiple books that are from professionals that have figured out a rhythm for their own lives and their own system and all that kind of stuff and that work for them. And, but, um, yeah, I just, I, I worry, I don't want to send anybody on the wrong course and I don't want any, I, I, I really just want everybody to have a good life and enjoy it and, and, and their intention to be good and, 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 and be a good person, you know? So whatever that is, you know? Well, but you, you know, you're sharing your experience, which is, you know, I mean, it's not necessarily advice, you know, it's sure. like it's coming from, from, you know, from on high, but you're sharing your experience in an honest way. So I think that can be nothing but healthy. Okay, you know? cool. Well, yeah. You know? and, and I can't, it's one time I, people sometimes I think give me shit because, um, and it's not, it's not like I can do anything about it though. Like, uh, so we're, we're having a podcast and it's supposed to be intentionally made for you, but I, you're very curious as well. And I don't want to just be like, no, I'm not going to answer these questions. And, but I, I feel, I don't want, I don't know. It's just like a weird situation. Like Joe Rogan runs into it often on his podcast too, because I, if I went on Joe's podcast, which that's another goal for 2015, I should put that down. <laughs> I should get on. I want to get on his podcast and just just talk mad shit about all kinds of weird stuff because him and I have very uh, joined aligned things, uh, interests and stuff. And talk I think about we, uh, DM, DMT. DMT. Yeah, uh, uh, maybe he'll give me some water damage on the Sphinx. <laughs> <laughs> I love comedy too, so that's another thing. And and I've seen him live. He's really funny. He's a he's oh, a yeah. cool dude. Yeah, but that's uh, when I hear sometimes people will ask him questions and want to know about his path and this and that, and he shies away from it as well and i think um i I feel the same because i feel like um i want the show to be about you you know but it i guess through my own answers you're able to discover bits of your own self so maybe it's okay so the ash the ashthorpe experience yeah i don't want it to be that though (laughs) (laughs) it's all right i mean what i like is that it's you know it's not an interview per se you know we're just talking and stuff yeah. comes out or it doesn't come out we don't get the things we maybe get the things that we didn't expect we would get to that's fine yeah well when we were exchanging emails when we we're setting up the podcast you had a lot of questions and i was like yeah let's let's definitely talk about because i have a hard time with emails now because emails are so inefficient for me now it seems because i i'm not joking i usually have to deal with about a hundred a day so i have to get as much out as fast as i can so yeah. I, I usually like to exchange like legitimate talking for this kind of format for not podcasts, but like on the phone and stuff. So I was like, yeah, we'll talk, let's talk about it. Cause I can, I can explain it. Cause you had a lot of questions about kind of the industry or whatever I was doing and yes. trying to get We it. haven't even gotten to that yet. Yes. About working in teams and, and, and your role. And, and I guess it changes for each, uh, job you have, but you know, and, and like, okay, looking through your website, I see like, like different, um, uh, um, I guess thumbnails they're called, um, you know, on the, on the website that mm-hmm. show different, uh, like the Sherlock Holmes stuff and, and, uh, uh, the stuff for Ender's game, very different, 
looking stuff. So I wonder like what, like, I mean, you probably have to talk about, you would probably have to talk about each job individually, I imagine, um, what, what your role is and how sort of the stuff goes from your head or from your, you know, uh, pen and paper, Cintiq and monitor to what ultimately gets done. And I guess how, you know, how you work with other people, if you do work with other people on, on teams and all, all that stuff to me is, is kind of, you know, uncharted territory. So I'm curious about it. Yeah. It's a, like, you know, it's like all different relationships. So this stuff like from Ender's game, for example, is like a year and a half of work. And I made like, I don't know, like 650 plus Photoshop files just for that file, that job. And, and it was kind of like one of the first films I had worked on. So that was a whole crazy ass journey and i dealt with some crazy shit on there and it was fucking rad for so many things and it was crazy for other experiences and stuff but like the the sherlock holmes um so these are like i guess the technical term people call these things in the industry is style frames they're called style frames which is um do you understand like have you heard about how these how the system works for this kind of the world that i work in like how it works. It's pretty is fucked that up. Kind of like a kind of like a keyframe for like a production design, or you know, where you do like a shot, like from a, from a, an illustration that's basically like a shot from that gives you a lot of information about the film. Yeah. Well, so so the way this stuff works is there's these this thing called pitching, and what happens is, um, in the most general way I can say it is that a director or a production company will say, okay, we need to have this part in the in the in this film whether it's graphic user interface or a title sequence or um, some kind of communicative graphical section of the movie. And we don't have that in our company just yet. So we need to, it's in the script. The director wants it. Here's some, uh, maybe they have examples. Usually they don't. And so they, what they do is they kind of send a casting call out to all these different studios and they say, hey, we need, for example, like uh, Sherlock Holmes. They say, hey, uh, every, hey, all these studios out here, because there's a lot of them, we need to have uh, this title sequence, this main on end, or it's, a, it's the intro to this film. It's called Sherlock Holmes and blah, blah, blah. And they go, okay, cool. We're going to tell our designers this is what the job is. We're going to work at our butts off to do this. Then every all the designers, they put all their, their ideas together, and then they do this thing called pitching. They put all this stuff together, and then they go into the the to the to um, the production house or the director, and they present all these things. And then the director might pick one of those things out of all the different all the different concepts or merge the two or not pick any at all. And the one that wins, they get the, they get rewarded the job. And then from that, we, from that, they take the job and finish it out and add all these bits and pieces and do it into motion and all that stuff. So as far as for me, it's like, I'm the guy that the companies will hire and uh, to come up with ideas and design execution. And then from there and then on it, it goes and finished. But like Ender's game, for example, is like, I didn't really have to audition to it. I just, was really persistent when I was on location up at Digital Domain and I met Ben Proctor who was the production designer and I was just telling him all kinds of dirty jokes and we were having lots of fun and uh, and I was like, hey, let me design some shit for you guys. Just let me do it, you know? And, and uh, he's a fucking rad dude and he trusted me and, and, and that was a real crazy experience. And so each project is different really. But yeah, the process of doing it is just crazy. And so usually it's like, it's imagine I get I guess it's like imagine yourself uh, when you do when you sit down to draw a comic you you're given a brief so you draw the page you do the layout and all this stuff and you come up with the execution um, 
then you need to go and put it into motion. So you that might not be your skill set necessarily, but you have an, a vision of what it is in your mind. So you're able to work with a motion artist and design w- way, the ways and the how this thing does. Like, oh, it's parallaxes, and you push through this, and you go through that, and all this stuff happens here, and this is the transition, all that stuff. So that's kind of the next stage. And then you go from there, and then you do a lot of back and forth between the the, the production house or, or the design or the director personally uh, directly, and until it's finished. And usually, yeah. it's it's like the timeline's ridiculous, and it, you you lose a lot of hair and a lot of sleep, and you get, turn into a diva, and then all sudden it's done. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the film industry for me so far. It's been really crazy. So, so as as an individual, are you working like strictly like? as like under one studio or are you like a contractor that the studio con the design studio will contact in order to help pitch or be part of the project yeah so i'm 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 a freelancer so i'm like a i i, I just i work on the side basically i i just get like a work for hire kind of guy so um so the design studios or i guess the production company may contact you to hire you yeah, exactly. And if I was in house, I'd be more or less consider like more considered to be like a quote unquote creative director, where I'm a type of person that generates the ideas and then manifests and figures out how to get it completely done. Hmm. From so it's like a it's like a director director's yeah. role, but it's it's um like most directors, for example, like they don't know how to draw or design or anything like that. They just know how to to, to be good people person people people person kind of people i guess and communicating things and and, uh-huh. and putting people together not all of them are even good at that i don't even sometimes i'm like what the hell how is this guy doing this or this gal is doing this job but um but that's usually what i what i end up becoming is because i realized when i first started i was a junior designer and i realized that i had another self-realization that oh i have my own ideas like let me create my own shit you know and uh let me pitch that let me try that and then uh yeah. And then I, the self-realization allowed me to uh, build out my own things, and that's usually the projects and the work that resonates with people. And and um, and moving forward, because the funny thing is, like like Sherlock Holmes, for example, is a, is a, is used a lot, like as a reference, or people bring it up to get more work out of it for me. And I have actually haven't been able to do anything in that style yet because I've been too busy. But the that job only was like four four solid days of work, I think. Uh-huh. So it was a very small time period, but it's just funny because I guess it's just part of the process. I don't know. There's a lot more work on there, but, and then some of them are bigger and longer. So it's just like different processes. I don't know. If, is that shedding any light to kind of? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so, cool. So uh, is, was, was that home stuff created on Photoshop? Yeah. So um, that was all Photoshop. Um, and I was using, this is before I had the Cintiq or I wasn't using the Cintiq. I had a... Um, this the ta- the tablet. yeah the Wacom tablet the um not the Cintiq but the uh, Intuos yeah I think I had like the large one so yeah. um so it was it looks whack so <laughs> but I had I just had this idea of like making these entanglements of these drawings of just like lines building onto lines because he's just a crazy mind and all this confusion and stuff so I, I think it's very textural and very uh it's a it's a it's a cool blend of uh of nineteenth um, century aesthetic with uh, still with a modern feel to it, I think it's fantastic. Oh, thank you so Great. much. I had a lot of fun. I th- thank you for your kind words. I, it was a lot of fun because I was working with um, one of my pe- my mentors, my one of my peers from when I worked at this place called Prologue. Was his name is Danny Ant, and he is an exceptional. Uh, 
designer and I think when you work under when I know that he's going to be reviewing my stuff or looking at it um, I suppose it's maybe like if you were working with Alex Toth or something like that you know it's just like this shit's got to be on point uh, you know it's got to be the best shit that I can make you know and and I and I got to at least get his approval you know and um, it's like iron sharpens iron it's like one of my favorite lines but it's very true you know um, some of the best work comes out when I'm when I know that my peer is going to look at it and I want it to be epic one of the things that has been really helping my work and maybe it's not helping my sanity but um, when I create stuff, I don't know if you do the same thing, but I imagine while I'm drawing that the whole world is looking at whatever I'm making. And so I try to make it as good enough to, to appeal in my own sense, not necessarily to appeal to them based off of what I think they'll like. It's more or less what I think is the best and making it yeah. the best thing that I yeah, can. Yeah, I try and not let them in. <laughs> because that can, that, that, that can be like, I, I, I find it usually like, like when I almost do the opposite and think to myself, nobody has to see this. <laughs> be the most free in a way. Uh, okay, um, however, opposite. however, sometimes freedom can be, you know, a liability. So sometimes like, if, you know, a job is, I know is going to be seen. I have to take on that attitude you're talking about. And, and it's, it's, uh, I don't like that, that feeling that goes along with it because it, it feels very, um, for me, um, uh, ego driven, you know, sure, uh, sure. And, and, uh, but it's necessary. I think, I mean, I, I, it does push me yeah. um, when I know something is going to be seen, you know? Um, but the real good stuff always for me happens when I can accept the fact that nobody ever has to see this. Sure. And, and I can be free to just fuck up, you know? And that's okay, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it is a fine art and that is a fine, it's a fine act of balancing between these things and finding where your flow is and amongst the riff of everything. But yeah, hopefully that painted somewhat of a picture for you. Yes. I really I, appreciate that. I, um, of course. A very good friend of mine, um, an illustrator, Tommy Lee Edwards, also comics. He dabbles in a lot of different mediums, film, uh, comics, illustration. He really does a lot of different stuff and, and you know we've talked about this before, and and you know we've worked on some small things before together. But but you know he's he's a guy who I admire a lot, and he's his work is really. Um, he started as a comic book artist, and he's he's done a lot um, of different types of work, uh, especially in the last few years. Um, you know, with film and 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 production design and stuff, and. And so we, I, I kind of had have some inclination um, as to how these parts work in the film industry, but but I'm 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 curious. I mean, I, I really appreciate you sharing that with me. I'm also like curious as to like how the actual process of making the stuff happens because it, it's almost it seems to me like like um, like a mystery somehow. How this stuff, you know, like. I can explain it unless you want it to be a mystery because <laughs> there's, a, there's a rhythm to it usually and it's it, there's a consistency to the rhythm as far as now the workflow of things. Okay. So you have, so if you win the job, then whoever wins the job, um, this is just my work world basically, which is the pitching and all that stuff, but it's pretty common with like products and all those kind of things. So you win the job and then um, the, whoever created that project with their comp, they're, they're capable of, finishing it they will be tasked with that so they'll either be assigned to design and help design it and work with the creative director themselves or 
they will be the creative director themselves and they'll correspond with the producers and the director or whoever's whoever is the main client and so they'll take all their files so let's just use um uh, I don't know. I guess we can use uh, the Sherlock stuff, but the Sherlock stuff didn't win. It was more of a concept that kind of had bits and pieces that got into it. So it was like little fragmentations of ideas that came in there. But So they'll take my Photoshop files. My Photoshop files are all these layers that are moving around. And mm-hmm. so they'll take all these layers and I'll say like, oh, you know, it'd be really interesting if we had like you're moving across this textbook and it's and it's moving and changing and the art would build out and then the art sure. would disappear and you'd go through and transition into different scenes and so kind of abstractly drive people through it and then they'd then so I'd hand this stuff off to like a motion designer um, who'd use like usually After Effects or Cinema 4D or Maya or any of these different 3D applications or whatever uh-huh. um, and so mostly for after for um, something like Sherlock Holmes is just like flat and projected stuff would mostly be used uh, would be used to move around in, in, a, in After Effects which is like a very pro- a very strong program with like motion and stuff um, and so you do that and then you kind of do a basic run through and you start working out like okay now we have this name we have all these lists of names we're going to have this much time we got to do all these things we got to add all these people and we kind of do like a, a storyboard basically breaking it down but in style frames so it's not like drawing it it's like designing it and the transitions and and then while you're doing that, you can have the motion guys working on transitions. So while you're building out the story, you're kind of having them do the middle bits and, and trying to figure it out yeah. and create a pipeline, basically. And uh, it's all about perfecting that pipeline. And you get a test and you start working it out. You do a little motion test, which is like maybe five to ten seconds of an animation, which is a lot of, is a lot of time, actually, for an animation test. And... Um, it starts to work and then you go back and refine it and you bring it down and you, I just, I, maybe I should send you a link too to this, this director, uh, who works at Pixar, I think, or Disney. He just, um, I don't know if you've seen that, um, what's that recent Disney film? It's a big hero six. Have you seen that? Yeah. You take your daughter to see that. I've not seen it. No. Oh, there's this really beautiful little cute short film that I love that they're doing these with these little short films. What happens is John Laster uh, or Disney and Pixar, they they offer each year, I guess, they offer um, a lottery basically to all the creatives to pitch their own ideas and short film ideas and to be chosen to be put into the theaters and all that kind of stuff and distributed. It's a really cool thing. And, it, and I think it's a smart thing. Walt Disney would have done something like that. And, but anyway, so he, but he, the way he articulates the process of going through and making that project is very much the same. And so it's a lot of pushback. It's a lot of, if it's a really big project, you're going to have like six to 10 guys or gals or whatever, a team of really talented people that you work with that are just doing the motion part and they're feeding stuff back to you and they're getting like the relay. So it's like almost, I'm, I'm the Stanley Kubrick on set and he's talking to the lights, his, his DOP. And he's like, well, what frame are you using? What, what, where, where are you setting the camera? What lens are you using? Where are the lights, you know? And so it's a lot of that. It's a lot of back and forth and like move the light to the left and, and, and pixel fucking. That's like basically what I, I call it. Pixel fucking. Cause that's what it is. It's like, uh, um, uh, David Fincher calls it that. And I, I agree. I think it's the same thing. It's you're just fucking it until it's just like, it's, until it's right. Does yeah. Bukaki work its way into this? Uh, well, at the end, you're hoping that you Bukaki <laughs> over everybody in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> if it's successful, then you you've achieved uh, the highest level of Bukaki. So <laughs> everybody leaves sticky. Yes, everybody leaves sticky, but satisfied. <laughs> and if they kept their mouth closed, they're they're they missed the party. No, I'm just joking. I went too far, but um, yeah. So it just the occasional Cleveland steamer. 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> right. No, it's so that's pretty much the process. It's like a back and forth until the motion people and, and, and the creative director and you're just kind of honing in on it, focusing, figuring it out, and then relaying these tests and things to the director. The director's giving you their notes and if the director really trusts you, they'll allow you to explore. Um and uh, it's just a lot of back and forth until it gets finished. And once it's finished, you just know it. Or it's just like, you know, fuck, we have to deliver this this week. And, uh, and a lot of times, to be completely honest, uh, the I think a lot of people are totally uh, in the dark as to how much work this stuff takes. And I don't think they understand um, the process necessarily. So they think of it being like this disposable thing. And it's yes. a lot of work. And it's a lot yes. of time. And it's a lot of people's energy. And um, so, yeah. And it's, yes. you know, it's for me, it's like in my role and whatever I do is, is about um, communicating with people and helping them see the potential of themselves um, and push them in a way that's positive and healthy, not Steve Jobs-like at all. But, um, but at the same time, Steve Jobs managed to get like really amazing things out of geniuses and stuff. So um, he wasn't necessarily wrong what he did. So maybe he was, I don't know, his tactics were different, but, but, um, yeah, that's pretty much kind of how it goes. And then it's done and you ship it and it goes and gets printed into the film. And, uh, you go and sit in the theater, you hate the film, you look all the work and you realize you wasted six months of your life. (laughs) (laughs) Or you love the film and you're fucking pumped and you're so happy to be a part of something that you're proud of. And you can tell your mom, look at me, look what I did, mom. Yeah. And yeah. she can, she can go eh, <laughs> no. But um, that's interesting. So at the end, it really in the end is a product that you are sometimes embarrassed by and sometimes oh yeah proud of. Um, oh yeah, because you never know. You don't know if the film's good. Sure. Nobody knows. You know, not even the director usually. They don't know if it's good. Yeah. Until uh, it's there and it's out yeah. there and they're sitting there in the theater and they're like, well, fuck, you know, I fucked up. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense and. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to afford my house in the Hamptons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but I don't know. I mean, all jokes aside, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's still a very crazy industry and it's very volatile and, um, there's a lot of issues with it. That's another reason why I created the podcast too, because there's a lot of misconceptions and a lot of bad stuff that happens to creatives and stuff. And, um, it's all about empowering people, giving people educational knowledge and stuff. And I've been trying to do a lot of that just like explaining the business side of things with the S corp and all that kind of stuff. Do you have, do you, are you an S corp or an LLC? Do you do that I'm stuff not, as well? I'm not, no, no. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's interesting. Cause I, yeah. I I'm an S corp, but I, I have, I've had to deal with some really crazy legal shit. So, mm. and the NDAs and stuff, the non-disclosure agreements that I sign are ridiculous. So mm, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. If like if all of a sudden uh, everybody knows what Captain America looks like or, you know, Spider-Man's underwear looks like because they found my computer or something and it's on the internet. Dude, I'm going to get sued for Spider-Man's underwear. You know, I'm going to lose my house over (laughs) Spider-Man's undies. (laughs) It's not funny, man. This shit happens. No, I'm joking. I've done some licensing stuff uh, through DC in the past and, and whenever they send me reference for that stuff, it's very like, it's all watermarked with my name and stuff, you know, and, just in case it leaks, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, serious yeah. shit. It's a lot of it's a lot of money that they invest in these things, yeah. and they don't want to lose it. It's just totally understandable. It's just really scary because you're dealing with millions of dollars, basically, and uh, it's best to protect yourself uh, against at least your house and your and your and your kids' college fund and all that kind of stuff. You know. Yeah. 
to to flip this these awesome questions on yourself how is it what's the process for you like with working on the comics do you get approached by an editor or how does this all work for you like how once you started to realize is like i read your wikipedia and it said that you started at like really young 16 or so yes so what the heck uh <laughs> <laughs> open-ended what the heck i um, like that well uh you know i'd always i'd always been a drawer you know i think we probably all were and 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 uh and i'd always wanted to do some kind of storytelling or illustration or comics with drawing i kind of knew that pretty early on i don't know how i knew it but i i spent a lot of time drawing as a kid and as a teenager and really throughout my life and so um so when i was in high school i what i did was i just bought one of these remember this book they used to print i don't know if they still do called the artist market and it was basically just a directory of different art directors and their address and and oh, really? information and stuff you remember that no i don't a, remember that that's awesome yeah, yeah and so i want one of those now yeah, I, well, I don't. Well, probably they may they may still print them, or maybe now it's digital. Who knows? Um, but uh, but so um, at the time I was like a like a heavy like like Dungeons and Dragons player, um, and so I'd always wanted to do like that type of illustration that you see in like some of the TSR we used to see in some of the TSR books and 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 uh, you know I was into like Lord of the Rings and that whole like fantasy genre. Um, so how could you, know, you know it was such a porn back then oh this is 1987 dude uh, yeah and so Gandalf uh, is powerful he's powerful <laughs> <laughs> he is a powerful man back then um uh I was so, I was born in 83 so and I read the Hobbit and yeah I read the Hobbit and I was like 10 and I was like oh god Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm just, I just, this is funny. This is, this is era. This is my era kind of shit. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, what the hell? So, oh, yeah, okay. So, where was I? TSR. Uh, TSR, yeah. So, I sent the art director at TSR uh, just Xeroxes of like sketchbook drawings that I had done that were you know, not like little doodles, but like, you know, illustrations. But, you know, just, I was 16. So, like, you know, compositions drawings illustrations and and they hired me for, for a few jobs awesome um, to do black and white illustrations for some of their books which i was like i was still in high school so i was completely like like you know into that you know i went i went to a uh a high school uh here in south florida that uh, new world school of the arts which uh still is around and it was it was sort of a a, a, it was a high school that sort of allowed you to specialize in a different art form so we had like theater dance music visual arts and you had like a longer uh day so after your regular like high school curriculum you would stay an extra three hours and do your art discipline um and that really like prepared me to to go to um uh sva uh, school of visual arts in new york um so i was always on that track you know of like like art and drawing and and you know doing it professionally and stuff and that's awesome so started um, young i was kind of you know the die was cast i kind of always knew you know yeah that i was didn't get into that um uh so 
yeah so okay so what was what was the question again no it's just like you know you just started young i just thought that was really interesting and i think it was it was jumping into kind of how you manage your career i guess my curiosity is how does this work is so because there's there's two different types of people i think in the creative well there's many different but there's main core ones there's there's the people that do the work and the people that uh make people do the work Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's not like they're one's better than the other or worse. It's it's just the nature of the business. And um, so, there, is there like the editor? Is that kind of the person yes, that reaches yes, out so to talent and headhunting yes, and stuff? Okay. Yes. Usually, I, I get emailed. Well, it used to be phone calls. Nowadays, it's it's emailed or approached at a convention or something by an editor um, uh, that is interested in pairing me up with a writer on a project um, mm-hmm. for various links. Sometimes I get approached by a writer, you know, who was interested in working with me, uh, and then, uh, you know, more and more self-publishing or publishing through Image, um, or you know, is wants to sort of collaborate with me on a on a specific sort of mainstream book, uh, you know, for Marvel or DC. But usually, it's an editor that approaches, um, and uh, sometimes they have a script already. Sometimes it's a pitch that they are sending you for you to see if you see if you're interested in yeah uh it depends um but yeah that's that's how it works and you know uh depending on on how interesting the project is various things how how uh high profile it is how uh how the money is um who it's for who the editor is who the writer is lots of different factors you know I either do it or don't. Sure, um, of course. How my schedule is looking, you know. Um, so, you know, it's it's pretty. Uh, that's pretty much the way it is. Yeah. Has the business changed a lot since you've been doing it? Or, I mean, it has the the business as a as a money making machine. As I'm sure, right? It used to uh, be. It used to just be nuts. Yeah, really. Well, I got into comics in '92, '92, '93. Um. And that was right when, like, the image stuff was taking off, and they call it the speculator boom was was sort of in full swing when when people were buying, you know, twenty issues of a of, of the same issue of a number one issue and putting them away because they thought it would be worth something, you know, in the future. Um, so, you know, comics were selling like like crazy. Some of these Marvel books were, you know, in the image books when they came out were selling like, you know. Hot cakes, baby. Hundreds, thousands, sometimes maybe even a million or more copies, you know? Yeah. A month, you know? Uh, Crazy. So uh, that was, you know, definitely that's not the way it is now. Although I think there's a lot of uh, probably higher quality stuff being produced now than there was back then. It's weird. Uh, people like to say that the image era in the 90s was sort of like the era when when the artist became more important uh, there's always this thing between like the artist and the writer in comics like you know who's the more important creator and <laughs> i think it depends kind of like on each individual situation you know sure. and people will have different points of view on this um and and uh the 90s are kind of like looked on as sort of the era when the artist moved to the fore and i think it's a shame because like a lot of the stuff i think that was created uh in you know, quote unquote, the era of, of the, when the artist moved to the fore, uh, I think is visually not very, you know, it's, it's a poor representation of like the artist moving to the fore. Sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of quality, I think there's 
probably higher quality work being done now, even though sales probably don't reflect, reflect that. Also, that was a time when like uh, the, the computer coloring was just starting to you know appear on the scene and and you know people were just realizing oh look we can do this we can do that we can do this we can do that means we should do all of that you know so yeah, of course uh, you know a lot of stuff um consequently got you know uh butchered uh by the time it saw print um i can only speak for myself yeah um, but uh uh i think little by little people are figuring out um just how much to do and and again i think more higher quality work is being done now yeah um, so you know communication obviously between uh the companies and 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 you know myself has changed it's all almost digital now the other day i, I you know had a phone conversation with john workman the letterer who i um uh was working on on this on this short story i mentioned earlier and it's the first phone conversation that I've had uh, with a fellow um, sort of collaborator on a job hmm. in I don't know how long. You oh, know, that's not all, good. All email. You know, it's all email. And hmm. um, I mean, the, the good side of this is that the, the delivery is all digital now. You know, you put yeah. it on CP, you keep the original art. Used to be you had to send in your art. and You're and, fucked. You know, you might get it back. You know, I've had a job disappear on me once. Uh, uh, lost or stolen. I don't know what happened to it. Um, but, uh, now it's all digital. So I get to hang on to the art, That's um, cool. which is cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, the communication has changed and, and I don't think it's good that people are talking less. No, that's uh, not good at all. If you're going to, if you're going to get into bed with somebody, that's cause that's what it is creating stuff. If you're going to create really good stuff, you got to be, you know, you got to be really close. You know, I think you got to be close as you can even if you're digitally if, if, if you're far away i think that's really important you know because um, yeah. there's little nuances uh that make things amazing and i find like i was saying when we created lost boy we wrote the story we wrote it just over dinner and it wasn't like we could have had many chances to do it over skype or any of those things we think we saved it for the occasion of being t together sitting there and drawing and having fun and just laughing and making shit up and that's when the stuff kind of really started to kick off and yeah um, yeah, that's important. Yeah, but sometimes I think it's not necessarily necessary to 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 be completely in person with everything, but definitely the creative kickoff and all that kind of stuff. It's it's another thing I kind of I'd not demand, but that's one thing. If I'm going to work on a job with a client that it's going to be serious, I try to I try to encourage the idea of me coming in at least in the beginning or somewhat starting off something so that we're kind of aligned in some form or another. So. Yes. But yeah. It's yes. just important, I think. Yes. Communication. Yes. But screw art. Let's talk about Black Mirror cuz <laughs> cuz we got we got we got 20 minutes. We were supposed to This is going to be the longest podcast yet, I think. This you're going to set the record. This is uh we're approaching Lawrence of Arabia time. Huh? We are no, I know we're doubling Lawrence of Arabia. Actually, we're we're, we're approaching once upon a time in America time. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Lawrence Arabia has nothing on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's crap in comparison. <laughs> no, that's a long ass movie. Shit, man. I had to, I had to get through that one. I have to be really ready for that one. It's a, it's a, it's a good one, but it's beautiful. It's crazy. The, the film stock that they used back then. It's like, damn it. So yeah. sick. So awesome. <laughs> Wish I could use some of that. 
but no, I can't. But anyways, Black Mirror, because yeah. we got we got 20 minutes to just talk oh, about. We'll we'll gab about all kinds of awesomeness. We got to talk about movies and TV and stuff. Yes, we haven't even gotten to much yet. Well, um, I know there's a, there's a bunch of stuff that I wanted to talk to you about just in the comic stuff, but I hopefully fans of your work and people that get into this. Do you feel like we've talked enough about comics? I don't think we did. Did we? We can always I, talk more, right? I, I feel like we've talked enough about comics, but if you want to talk more about comics, we can go there. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not listening to it. We're well, just, that's true. We did talk about a bit of comics. I think that we're good. We haven't touched on specific like jobs, but I don't know that you want to yeah. go there. I, mean, I, I don't know. Well, it's up what, to you. What do you want to talk about? Um, let's talk about Black Mirror, and, and, and okay. if, I can actually, if I can actually transition it back into it before we end. <laughs> let's it, not force it. Yes, yeah. let's not force it, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, just yeah. Keep, keep the KY uh, away from this podcast. <laughs> no, when I when I heard, I forgot what episode it was when you mentioned that 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 comparison because I've only seen three episodes. Okay. Um, the, who, who turned the, you on to it? Yeah, I, you know, I think it was one of Rogan's guests. Oh, perfect. Uh, I, forgot, I forgot what her name was, but she was talking about Black Mirror, so I I just I found it online, and I you know. That's why I found out about it. But the one where, like, the prime minister has to fuck a pig. Yeah. <laughs> which is brilliant. Oh, it's um, brilliant. So um, brilliant. I'll be right back, is it? The one yeah. that we're referring to, which I think is just a fantastic, just a brilliant piece of writing. Oh, yeah. And the third one was the Waldo one. Yes, <laughs> yes. So you watch the ones that are online, right? Because really, it was really hard to get a hold of. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know who the hell told me about it. Somebody told me about it or, or, or it was referred to me by somebody. I can't recall who it was. But yeah, I watched the first ones on the internet. And then I was like, I want to fucking buy this. And I couldn't even buy it. So I had to ask a friend because he had copies of it. And he hooked me up with it. And, and man, it's only got six episodes. I, I think it's out on Netflix now. I want to oh, buy it. Yeah, it's oh. finally out on Netflix. I've oh. told, I've like blasted everybody on the internet. Like, go watch it, you fuckers. Cause, oh, great. Yeah, okay. It's really awesome. Now you can share it with everybody because before yeah. it was really hard to get a hold of it. Yeah, okay. That's cool. So it's it's the first season is just six episodes. Yeah, so there's actually two seasons and each season is three episodes. Oh, okay. it's just, okay. I love the, the punk rock uh, sensibility of these guys. They're like, fuck it. We're going to do our own setup in their own style. But yeah. I, I, I equate it to the, the current day uh, Twilight Zone. It's a very yes. contemporary Twilight Zone. Yeah. yeah. And so I thought that was really awesome. So for the backstory, for those that are listening, so um, I sent your work to Andrew and I said, dude, we got to get John on. It would be awesome. I, like, I'm a big fan of his work and let's just see if he would be up for it. And we sent it out through your email thing on your site. And then it was a couple of days had passed and I think you had listened to or something. I can't remember the order of it, but you had mentioned, let's do it. Cause you're a fan of black mirror. And I was like, this guy's rad. Let's do this for sure. <laughs> Cause once I, once I passed the litmus test for you, it was like, no, the, no. The, uh, I, I had not heard of the podcast. And so when Andrew contacted me, I, I, and I love podcasts. So I was like, Oh shit, there's a, another art podcast. I got to check out. So I listened to a few of them and, and, and one of them was the one, I think it's 69, where you make a comparison between her and that episode of Black Mirror. Yes. And I had the exact same feeling after yes. seeing her. I saw Black Mirror first. Yes. After seeing her, I was like, Jesus, this is almost like... like Verbatim. This is very similar to that, but only... Of course, this is the American one, and it's more hopeful in the end. And British and Black Mirror, 
it's 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 it doesn't it's grim you know it's it's, it's super like, grim it's part of of the difference between americans and the english it's it ends on a, on a down note you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's similar they're very similar I, I i equate them to aesop fables almost like they're very they're kind of preachy uh you know at first when i first started watching i'm like i didn't think of that but then when i watched it again i was like wow there's such a moral to these stories you know it's like mm. and uh like yeah, I, if you're listening and you haven't listened to it, uh, maybe earmuffs or stop listening or something because there's probably going to be some spoil spoilers because yeah, oh, yeah. it's hard, it's hard to talk about this show without breaking down some of the fun stuff from it. But I highly encourage anybody that if you are listening to this and you have Netflix, go watch it. It's really awesome. It's 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 a rare piece of entertainment that exists in our current day of like housewives of fucking Orange County and that what the fuck is that <laughs> stuff, man. <laughs> The hell, dude! The fucking housewives of whatever, fucking oh god! But that stuff—it's—it's basically for me. I feel like it's the anti of those things, and it's just rad, and it and it exists, and it's just like it's so rad to support that kind of stuff because those things only come around so often. I also preach a lot to all my friends. I've got a lot of people onto that show Utopia, which is awesome. You mentioned that one, yes, I have. Yeah, you got to watch that. You'll love that. That's where can I see that? Um. Where did I find it? On Netflix. On yeah, Netflix. it's not on Netflix. How did I get it? I think somebody gave me a copy of it or something. Because all this uh, Channel Four, whatever, out in the UK, it's hard to get a hold of it, and I don't, I can't get those channels either. So it's really challenging. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you would, but it's really legit. Um, that's a really interesting, like the premise and the setup and the story and all these things. Like, um, it has a. It has the color and the tone and the pacing, the setting and the score is just fantastic. Uh, the score itself is just amazing. Um, Crystal Ball, I think his name is, he's the composer. Cause I love, I love scores as well. And so yeah. I just really fascinated with his, his tone and the quality of sound and stuff. But um, yeah, he's one of those, there's another one, but um, yeah, Black Mirror is just, uh it. Yeah, yeah, the thing yeah. that did it for me in that episode—I don't know about you—but the moment when I realized I was watching something great was the part where she walks out of the doctor's office and drops her phone. Yeah, yeah. And freaks out. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, okay, this this is speaking directly to us today. You know, even though it takes place, you know, in a not too distant future, it's it's a it's. It's talking about our relationship to technology and how we've become so. Um, dependent on it almost as an appendage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, every one of those episodes. Uh, so, do you, have you seen the other ones too? I've just seen those three. Those three. Okay, yeah. There's <laughs> just wait till you see these other ones because there's one of them. It's called the entire history of you. Okay. Yeah, you gotta be ready for that one. It's okay. a it's a heavy one. It's great though. It's really okay. fantastic, but it's it's a heavy one. Uh, yeah, you gotta be really willing to. Uh, deal okay. with an emotional emotional journey oh so that's good so, yeah that. yeah it's 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 great um it's definitely the the part of the british bits that are not afraid to be honest and and to be open about you know not having a complete clean resolve and stuff which is really great and i think each one of these do and also white did you watch white rabbit have you seen that one um no, I've seen the one with, with the Prime Minister. Oh, the Waldo, the, too. Okay. The Waldo one, and the, and I'll be right back. That's it. The Waldo one is great. It's my least favorite one. It's my least favorite of those yeah. three, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and and there's another one that's not, it's, it's not 
my favorite as well. But I think it's also just because uh, the subject matter or something that didn't, it annoys me. But at the same time, they're all really, they're just all, they're, I mean, even though I'm not a super fan of it, it's still wonderful. But yeah, the pig fucker was, yeah, that's just a, another crazy one. But yeah, I definitely um, should check out if you get a chance, you should check out any of those other ones. And uh, they're on Netflix, like I said. And um, yeah, check out those other episodes because it's just a, a really prime piece of entertainment, like I was saying. And, and when you go and watch something like Her, which Her to me is a very great current film um, because of the way that it deals with like the complexities of technology and our interactions with these things and, and dealing with it, not like James Cameron necessarily, um, where they're trying to ass fuck you and kill you and stuff (laughs) it's more or less uh dealing with the nuances of what's possibly really going to happen you know what's you know we're going to make these things that are they're going to they're going to surpass us in a way that make us change and grow and my my understanding and, and 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 feeling with with the with her is 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 the technology, I don't know if you got this, but the way that her was written for me was technology was, uh, as looked at as a, as a, a shaman almost, or a, an enlightened being, uh, a childlike being with a, a infinite abilities and, um, the teacher. And, and if you look at the story arc and how he progresses as a character, how often he, every time that he finds his own self in the growth, uh, it drops him again and then repicks him back up and and it, it it's a constant thing for him to to grow the desire not to need it basically to fix himself so it's it's so smart it's a spiritual device of like finding finding himself you know and um finding himself amongst his confused his confused reality and stuff which is great and so but um yeah i love that because this stuff definitely is something that in the nature of something that i would like to write or the things that i find interesting um yeah just cool stuff it's it's uh it's funny like like um pardon me but i accidentally sent you a text because i was my wife got home and i was sending her a text saying that i'm still on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) i accidentally sent you that text but that's okay um but i i had the same feeling about her where like he uh like for me like 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 it he felt it felt to me like like the computer in the end teaches, or the OS in the end teaches, uh, or opens doors to the human as far as how to love. Yeah, you know, that was so. In in a sense, you know, the the technology helps him become more human in a way. Whereas with Black Mirror, I felt like like it's about a human failing. You know, yeah, she, she couldn't deal with the the loss, so she ends up. Um, you know, relying on the technology to sort of cope. cope up. Yeah, to yeah. cope. Yeah. To deal with the pain. Yeah. And, 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 and for me, when I write fiction or ideas and those things, it's like, that's a huge fun place to play in because, yeah, you know, you take the core of uh, human experience and, and, uh, and you break it down into something that's interesting and, and throw options out there that don't exist just yet. Like, what if you could re bring your 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 loved one from back from the grave but that's almost kind of like uh that's a story that's been told many times you know um uh like frankenweenie is a prime example you know like uh you know bringing your your dog back to life by electrocuting it but this one is is, is deals with the whole thing that's kind of contemporary which makes it very eerie the possibility and i love the way that it dealt with these complexities where it's just like yeah put him in the bathtub you know like that's that's it, 
it's such a simple way for me as a filmmaker and aspiring filmmaker. I love it because there's no production involved with that necessarily, but it's really smart, fun, clever writing that solves a big problem. Or or the idea that, 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 you know, the thing that defines us is our online presence, Mm. you know, because that was the, that's what that thing was drawing on. Yeah. Well, his history and his likes, his dislikes, his communications. Yeah. So in a way, that was enough, or that was not enough in at the in the end. Exactly. It's enough for her to to define him as a person. I think that just speaks so directly to like like now, you know. Yeah, like likes aren't important because it's not you know like um, my like I bring this up too. My brother says that you don't know somebody until you can smell their burps or something like that. It's like, you know, like you, your friends aren't your friends until like, and I thought that was interesting. Part of me was like, well, you know, there's different friendships and, and, and levels to those things and stuff. And I think the digital age brings us a lot of things. I also think that, um, it's, it's a lot of people I think are f- fight the idea and the notion of change and, and technology is one of these big conduits of change. It's all about change and, and flipping everything. And, and if we realize things in life, like change is inevitable, it's going to happen no matter what. And it's just a part of living. And, uh, and I think technology is, is going to be a proponent to flipping everything on itself as far as many things, uh, and, you know, I don't know, creating fiction off of it and making us look back at ourselves as, you know, as observers, uh, I find it fascinating. It's a very, very cool stuff. And I just love that it's a, it's a, it's a modern day television show that exists for us to enjoy and, and share and, and stuff. And I have, I've said it until I blew in the face about like, go watch this show. Cause it's so fucking crazy. And yeah. Yeah, what? it is. It, it is like t- uh, kind of a twilight zone. Um, oh yeah. Only directly dealing with technology and our relationship to technology. You know? Yeah. And I, I mean, I've only seen three. Maybe the other three. I, I imagine the other three also deal with the same issues. Yeah, kind of. One of them doesn't, which is more on the moral sense of things, which I love. And it's just that one is a fantastic episode. Um, hey, don't tell me which one that is. I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I won't. I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna le- let you enjoy these things as they are because they're, they're really cool experiences and what they provide as for as as far as i think for us to being in america and the way we consume things and the way that the things that we are uh uh, exposed to um i really love you know there's also like korean films um there's like old boy and stuff um have you seen old boy yet no i I, you know i'm not check that out yeah you should check that out there's a it's a heavy film it's really interesting there's also like i i saw the devil i think is another one there these are on netflix too by the way you can watch them um i recommend them they're heavy so be prepared for it yeah well so yeah old boy is really heavy don't watch the remake i haven't seen it but i've heard really bad things maybe i shouldn't say don't watch it you go watch whatever you want but um there's a remake an american version i think that came out and and um but you know it's like i don't know but um yeah, the the Korean films. There's like I saw the devil, which is I I made the mistake of watching that late at night. I was like going to go to sleep. I was like, ah, oh, it's like three o'clock. I'm like, I'm gonna go to sleep. I'm like, this looks kind of interesting. What's this about? And I ended up the devil wasn't at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I was like, this looked interesting. That's how stupid I am. So, and then I end up like being completely possessed by it because it's an incredibly intense, crazy fucking film that I've never seen anything quite as extreme in a long time. And I was just like. I just couldn't believe what I was watching, really, and it was just, uh, Jesus. it was like a three-hour journey, and I didn't go to sleep, and I was all fucked up, and I was like, damn it. 
damn you, Korea. No, it's joking. Korea, no? <laughs> yeah, but the cool thing, what I'm saying is like their perception and communication of, of technology and all these kind of things are just the way they tell stories is different, but at the same time, we're using a lot of similar things. And, and it, I think for for us as content creators, uh, it's really cool to have the different perspectives and seeing things. Uh, there's a quote that I've been wanting to say, and I say it all the time, but it's it's really a fundamental thread throughout our entire conversation. It's, um, what's that? Uh, um, you, you can't, sorry, you can't teach a man. Uh, let's see, Galileo quote. I don't know why I always butcher it too, but you can't teach a man anything um, you can only help him find it within himself. And I think that it's very much connected to almost everything we've talked about um, as far as finding your own path and finding your own journey and, and yeah. discovering yeah. who you are and all these things. I think it's very much, you know, man, woman, boy, girl, whatever. Uh, it's it's until somebody reveals to you who you are, your potential, Um it's definitely uh, it's a journey until then, and it's that's what we've discussed a lot about. I think you know. Yes. Yes. It's fascinating shit. Yeah, it man. Is. Yeah. Um. Definitely, man. Yeah, it's just, uh, it it's true, and it's true. You know, you can't. No. You, know, you really can't. You know, all you can do is 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 bring your own honesty and experience, and 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 you know, I think for the most part, we all kind of share. A lot of the same experiences, so we'll recognize that, you know, and and that can help us to move forward, you know. Yeah, it's a, and, and I think that once you can see it in other people, um, you re, you reflect on it, or you push yourself or your own experiences onto other people's experiences, then you get to experience, and you kind of see it within yourself, like that self reflection, you know, and that's what I think maybe what resonated with us about uh, Black Mirror is it's a very contemporary Aesop fable, you know. And it's using a lot of things that are um, connected to the things that we're attached to now, which is technology and all these things, you know. So um, it's just fascinating stuff, really. It's just really interesting. Um, looks at the possibility of what's around and all that kind of stuff. So, but um, yeah, um, yeah. Heavy <laughs> shit. That prime minister episode. I'm thinking about that and how, like, you know, it's even a question for him that he will not do this thing and a person's life is at stake. Yeah. And, yeah. And that, that, that to me is really like, it, it's really uh what a dilemma, you know, that, 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 that is even a dilemma is, is, is speaks to our vanity, you know? Yes. Um, it absolutely does. <laughs> it's one of those creative things too. When I watched, it, I was like, wow, I really hope nobody does this. <laughs> you know? Because once you show that potential to somebody that really is crazy enough to do it, that'll happen. And this is, I really hope that doesn't, but I love the ending. The ending's brilliant. It's a, yeah. And when they ended like that, I was like, this fucking show is the best shit ever. I was like, ah, it's like telling everybody to go watch it. Cause it's like, oh my God, that episode, if anybody's interested, I think is on Vimeo. I think there's three episodes that are on Vimeo, but like I said, it's already on Netflix. So if you don't have Netflix, go, you can find it there and go get a Netflix account. It's fucking like 10 bucks or something. So, but we got to wrap this baby up. Oh man. This is a power this is a fucking this is a Joe Rogan podcast. This is actually bigger than a Joe Rogan podcast. I think I think we've done almost above four hours. This is crazy. It goes to show when we're really talking about passion and, and things that we're interested in. You know, it's energizing, you know. 
This has been great, man. I think I can keep going. Uh, it's been great. Yeah, well, dude, we can always you can always come back, dude. Like this will this will be a little home for you. Anytime you want to come back and talk about something, you got a cool project or whatever you want to do, you just want to explain some stuff that you're into or whatever. Who cares? Just come on, have a chat. We'll have a fun one. Maybe you can join in one of those like group group uh, mosh pit ones or something. Yeah, that'd be cool. fun. Or if you like, if you got any of your buddies that you think they'd be fun, we can jump on and have a cool podcast with you know like yeah any yeah. any of that stuff it's sure. it's do you think it'd be fun and entertaining for anybody or just want to talk you're like dude uh, of course and now you got my cell too now we're text buddies <laughs> text buddies <laughs> but yeah man well, man i really appreciate you inviting me on and dude, and you. sharing what you've shared and and just it's been very cool and i've i've really i had a great time yeah me too man and thank, thank you for coming on and, and taking the opportunity to. And we'll make sure I have a link to all your stuff. And if you have any um, anything in particular that you want us to make sure that we share with people as far as links to your work or whatever, um, yeah, let me know. And I'll just, okay. we'll make sure we post it up there so people can get familiar with it. And yeah, we're all looking forward to whatever you're going to create next. And yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Hey, it was my pleasure, really. Enjoy Utopia, too. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you will. I know you will. Well, before Utopia, I gotta get to. Uh, let's see, what do we got here? Six Feet Under, Dallas Buyers <laughs> Club, <laughs> room, room, panel discussions. Oh Fitbit, man, Fitbit, T twenty five, Adventure Time, Steve Jobs, uh, Manage Your Day to Day, Eat That Frog, Catch Me If You Can. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Wow, you're writing them down, man. That's oh, crazy. Yeah. Next on the list, and then Old Boy and the Devil. So there's a long list. Yeah, damn, that's good. Yeah, we talked about a lot of good stuff then. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Well, you'll. Well, I would say Utopia can be in top priority. So if I were to judge it, because based uh, off of your Steve interest, Steve Jobs pretty cool, man. Yeah, it's and I like I said, it's because I'm so like infatuated with it because I just finished learning about his whole entire life in two weeks, so or three yeah. weeks or whatever. So, yeah, I would definitely check that out because it's I actually manage your day to day and eat that frog sound pretty pretty vital. So yes. I may start there. Okay. Yeah, I would. I, I highly <laughs> recommend those too. Yeah, and and if you want, I have notes on those too. So if you get through it and you're not really pumped on it or whatever, you want some like cliff notes, like. I broke. I, I distilled it down just for myself, and I give it out to my friends and shit because I love them and I want them to be badasses. So, but um, yeah. But yeah. dude, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you, thank yeah, you. If you're in San Diego, hit me up. I sure will. Um, thank you so much. You too, okay. bud. Have a okay. good night. You too. Take care. See ya. Bye. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you guys for listening in. You can find links to John's work and all the show notes for this week's episode at thecollectivepodcast.com slash 87. You can also find links to our Facebook and Twitter if you're curious about who's coming up or any kind of information about the podcast or want to get at us. Use those to Facebook and Twitter. You can also uh, check out iTunes. And if you feel up to it, give us a rating to help us out at thecollectivepodcast.com slash iTunes. Thank you guys for listening in again. And I hope you guys enjoyed. Have a wonderful day.